Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We begin with some breaking news in the desperate search for a small submersible that disappeared while taking a crew of five people to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean to view the Titanic shipwreck. The search area is located about 720 miles from Halifax, Nova Scotia, where the wreckage sits about 13,000 feet below the surface. Coast Guard officials say the 22-foot submersible carries enough oxygen for about four days. The last communication from the vessel was Sunday morning. Now to the latest on Donald Trump's classified document case, a judge is ordering the former president not to disclose any of the government's evidence to the public. The protective order prevents Trump and his co-defendant, Walt Nada, from sharing any of the information, some of which may contain national defense secrets. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. Zero. Breaking news overseas. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken meeting with China's president amid tensions ranging from Ukraine to trade to Taiwan. A major moment in U.S.-China relations. President Xi Jinping of China sitting down with Secretary of State Anthony Blinken in Beijing. The meeting not confirmed until just an hour before it happened. The two men meeting for about 35 minutes. I stress that direct engagement and sustained communication at senior levels is the best way to ensure that competition does not veer into conflict. Following breaking news, at least two people shot at 158th Street near Riverside Park. Police say a man and a woman were shot in their legs. This comes as at least eight others have been shot in the city. Shootings happening in every borough except Queens. One of them involving a 16-year-old boy killed along Marcus Garvey Boulevard in Brooklyn. He was shot in the head and died at the hospital. At this point, we don't know what led up to the shooting, and there are no arrests. I've been alone with you inside my mind And in my dreams I've kissed your lips a thousand times I sometimes see you pass outside my door Hello I'm already a pretty savvy guy, we know that. So, to play Lionel Richie, hello, is certainly in my DNA, but... And it is my anniversary week, coming up this Sunday, June 25th. I'll be married, as Marlena Chavo put, very funny, in a video she sent to me a couple of days ago. My beautiful wife, Danielle, will be married 31 years, come this Sunday. 31. So I'm in an extra sappy mood this week. 
In fact, I did uh, tongue kiss Lou Rafino this morning when I first came in. You're a very good kisser, Louis. Now I know MJ stuck around for 20 years. You can really kiss. It took you that long to yeah. figure that out. Yeah. Well, I'm disappointed. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Uh, but on top of all of that, the reason why really we played that song is because today happens to be the great Lionel Richie's birthday. I have no idea how old he is. I know one of his daughters, not the one that was on with uh, Paris Hilton. I think her name is Nicole. Got it. Right. He's got another daughter who looks amazing. She's actually kind of hot. I don't know her name. But uh, Ava showed me all the pictures. How old is Lionel Richie today? Lou? Well, I would tell you right now, Sid Rosenberg, <laughs> because I think you're a star in the making. Uh, 1949, when I was born. Oh. And that was approximately 20 years before I did join the Capitals. <laughs> Excuse me, I got a little coffee down my throat. Wow, but, he's 74 years old? Yes. Oh, my God. Feel, still feel like dancing on the ceiling. Of <laughs> yeah, he still looks good, he, uh, as uh, Lou is uh, kind of alluding to there with that great impression. He's on American Idol with Katy Perry and Luke Bryan, and he still looks pretty good. I mean, he's not a handsome man by any stretch, but he still looks good for him, and he was part of the Commodores. That was a great group. I mean, we're going to play Lionel Richie all morning long, maybe exclusively Lionel and the Commodores. Well, I'm in a Lionel Richie mood, baby. Almost every day that should be. Every day? No. You well, think so, Lionel? We don't know, but we do have a lot of stars in the making. You are a star. You. Well, thank you, Lionel. Now I feel badly, Lionel, that I covered the story years ago that your wife heard that you were cheating, and I guess she put surveillance on your black air, and she showed up at a hotel one day, and you were inside with your gumada, and when you exited the hotel, this is a true story, your wife beat the living daylights out of you. I mean, kicked his ass. While, Did you know that? While I was singing, hello, <laughs> you're looking ball. You may have been singing that. We yeah. all fall short in the, in the eyes of God, Sid Rosenberg, as you do know, after 31 yeah, glorious years. I do no know, one. yeah. yeah. Well, Lionel, well, we're going we're gonna to take care of you today, my man. Somebody else's birthday to do uh, today was um, O'Brien Wilson. So we'll play a couple of Beach Boys hits as well. It is a, a big Tuesday edition. I, I love our guest list today. I love it. Frank Morano and Curtis Sliwa, their staples. The great Bo Deal coming up at 740. We've got um, Noam, of course, the esteemed mayor, Rudy Giuliani. We are going to talk to Anna Delfaus. She is, uh, Anna's running against, uh, who is it now? Um, oh, well, Ari Kagan who Curtis is endorsing in that race to beat Justin Brandon, city council in Brooklyn. Anna will make her debut on the program. Steven Singer, who's a uh, buddy of mine, great entertainer, does a great Sinatra. He'll be at the Cunning Room tomorrow night. He'll stop by today. And the big one is the lady that once ran for governor, the great state of Arizona. Uh, most Republicans, including her and Donald Trump, think she won and they stole it from her, like they did to my friend Tom Sullivan. Carrie Lake makes her debut on Sid and Friends in the morning, coming up at 925. And whenever I think of Carrie Lake, I have to go back. I know it's a couple of years old. This is a little long. It's over two minutes. But it is great audio and great television. Carrie was on 60 Minutes Australia. So the interviewer is a guy named Liam Bartlett. And this guy is rabid like a dog. He wants answers, and he ain't backing down. So 
I guess he said that Carrie Lake initially agreed to do 30 minutes. Well, after 15 minutes, Carrie Lake gets up and walks off the set and curses the guy out. But it's great because you can feel the tension build throughout the conversation. So if you've never heard this, this dates back to March of 2022. Carrie Lake, who will join us at 925 this morning, on Aussie 60 Minutes, going back and forth on a variety of subjects, mostly January 6th, and Donald Trump. Again, the interviewer's name is Liam Bartlett Lewis. Carrie Lake, cut number 14. We saw lots and lots of, of very confronting pictures over many days uh, as they replayed various angles on it. On the January 6th uh, riots, insurrections, call it what you like. I mean, how did you see that? How do you view the events of the 6th of January at the Capitol? Well, that really doesn't have anything to do with being governor of Arizona. I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with that, sir. Well, you're, you're, and it's, you're man it's Donald. Always, it's you're, always the conspiracy theorists in the media, no, which I'm, well, that's not I'm true. counting that's you as. True. Well, that's not no, true you, at you all. Guys, that's not true no, at all. You've, you've ca- Carrie, no, you've called Carrie, our, you've let's called be fair our election. On this. Let's be fair on this. Your man you've Donald. called our election the big lie. Your man you've Donald called, brought it up. Your man Donald said. Only Why would a few, you say that, sir? What, be, your man Donald? Well, well, he is. I mean, he's endorsed you personally. He said well, he said a few days ago that those people at the Capitol should be pardoned. They should all be pardoned. Do you think they should be pardoned? I'm still amazed that you say your man Donald. That's just so disrespectful. <laughs> well, well, why, why would it be? He's endorsed you. He, you have his personal endorsement. It's just it's just the flippant attitude. It's obvious that you've come into this. It's obvious you've come into this interview and you don't like. President Donald Trump. Kari. It's obvious. Well, do you think they should be pardoned? Do you think they should be pardoned? I I have no say in that. I'm running for governor. This isn't something a governor does. You're trying to twist this interview and trying to make me look bad. You're a Republican. He's the the Republican leader. What I don't like is that people are being held in prison without being charged. That's un-American. Maybe they get away with that stuff in Australia. Australia. Perhaps in Australia, because you've given your rights away, you melted down all of your guns and you guys have no freedom, that you find that okay. But here in America, we do things differently. We have something called the U.S. Constitution, and we have rights. So we'd be better off having more guns here. I mean, what, you would be better off? Yeah, you would. You absolutely would, sir. You absolutely would. I feel so sorry for the people in Australia. Have no power. The only thing keeping us from being Australia right now is our Second Amendment. (laughs) And we will never ever let that go. Mark my words. What we saw happening in Australia, where you have internment camps and people are being forced, if they've encountered anybody with COVID, to be locked into a quarantine camp, is the most horrifying thing I think I've ever seen a government do. Would it's it, frightening. And if you, if you can't see that, I feel sorry for you. Would it have been better? This is our last question, Liam. We have to run, but thank you for your time. Just, just answer me this one question. One, one more thank question, you. Kari. Uh, well, no, I've already told you we're done. Thank well, you so much. Just... That guy's a complete nut. Seriously, a complete insane person. <laughs> That guy's a complete nut. Seriously, a complete insane person. I love Carrie Lake in that interview. Once again, Carrie Lake makes her debut on Sid and Friends in the Morning coming up at 925. Now, you did hear President Trump's name a bunch during that conversation. And I'll call him my man. Carrie didn't like that. I'll call him my man. He was on with Brett Baer. And I have no idea from day to day 
who Brett Bear is, what he is, what he stands for. He's a very smart guy. He's pretty solid when he runs a news show, but I have no idea who he is. I know this. When I go on with Jesse Waters, which will be next Wednesday, I know who I'm sitting with. When I go back on One Nation with Brian Kilmeade on Fox News this Saturday night, I know who I'm sitting with. I have no idea with Brett Baer, and clearly neither did Donald Trump, because it did not get nearly as intense as Bartlett and Carrie Lake on the Australian 60 Minutes. But you can tell that the president got annoyed more than once with Brett Baer on Fox News last night. Well, let's get into some of this. Let's uh, go to Trump number two. And uh, this is where Donald Trump tells Brett Baer basically he's got no worries. Lewis, Donald Trump, courtesy of Fox News, cut number two. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. Zero. Presidential Records Act plus the act plus the Clinton case, the Clinton case, which was won by Clinton as president because he took he took tapes of leaders in his socks. Uh, zero. Okay. Zero. And every good lawyer has said it. And you've seen that. Every good lawyer has said that. He goes on to talk about a former vice president and a currently sitting president that has documents. Kind of like, why me, not them? Lewis, Donald Trump, cut number six. Mike Pence had documents that were classified. And he turned them over. No, he didn't turn them over. He got caught. <laughs> His lawyers found some documents, and then he turned them over. Why did he have them? He shouldn't be saying that because he had classified documents. And immediately they said, oh, that's okay. And I suppose it's going to be okay with Biden, too, even though he has him in Chinatown, even though he has him in Delaware, and probably a hundred times more than I have. He's right about that, but still a little bit of a fiery exchange between Brett Baer, Fox News, and Donald Trump about the Biden documents moving up to Massachusetts, Boston. Lewis, courtesy of Fox News, this is Donald Trump, cut number three. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would say much, much more, not that I know of, but not that I know of, but everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Right. I'm not going to belabor this. No, but, belabor Brett, this, but when I, you look I at this, to get to the other specific. presidents, when they leave, they take the papers. They have thousands and thousands. Obama had it. Nixon had it. Carter had Their it. The Bushes is that had these it. These are super sensitive national security oh, documents. I'm sure, I'm sure, All right, so here's, I'm sure you'll see real super sensitive that Biden has because Biden has far more than anybody's ever kept. And he turned them over when asked. No, he but, didn't. But he that, still hasn't given the 1,850 boxes that stored at the University of Delaware. In fact, they're fighting them in court, right. and they're fighting them. And but he the opened boxes, up for them to look at it. Excuse me. Oh, shut the up, boxes right. from Chinatown, he didn't turn them over. He sent them up to his lawyer in Boston to look at before they handed him over. And their special counsel is looking at that, and we'll see what comes well, out of it. But I do imagine. want to just you can imagine. This. I don't want to do. dwell on it. <laughs> this is why Donald Trump hates Fox News. Brett Baer, do me a favor and shut up. Don't hold this against me, Fox News. I love going on Jesse, love going on Brian. But uh, Bear is one of the problems. Goes on, Donald Trump, to call Biden what he is, a fool who has no clue. Eat this, Brett Baer. 
Donald Trump, cut number eight. The voters are tired of being laughed at all over the world. We're run by a fool. We're run by a man that doesn't have a clue. That's all you need to know. So we did the uh, Lionel Richie stuff. We did the Carrie Lake stuff. She's going to join us today. We did Donald Trump. Let's get local. This is something I have a feeling our good buddy Curtis Sliwa may bring up when he has his daily visit coming up at 7.05 this morning. And that's the mayor who is still yet to return my happy Father's Day text. And you know me, if I like you and you don't do something as inane as not return a text, I can go completely 180 on you. Why are you laughing, Justin? It happens to me on about a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can go completely 180. And here the mayor. You know, we uh, I told you yesterday that the guy that drives me to work every morning, I've got two guys, really, Levi, he's back in Rockaway, and Gene. Gene has been doing the work now for the last couple of months since I was relocated to New York City. Love Gene. And uh, Gene's a black guy. And Gene said to me yesterday, he said, Eric Adams is worse than de Blasio. Because he knew de Blasio was a lazy, no good, corrupt loser. But Adams comes out telling everybody how great he is. And a cut I'm going to play for you this morning, which is completely insane. And Adams had people like Gene believing he was really going to clean up this city. And Gene's point was he hasn't done that, not even a little. And then when you hear crazy stuff like this, it makes people like Gene really believe that Adams, because he's crazy, may be no better than de Blasio. This cut is 1,000% nuts. If this was not the mayor of New York City, you would say this person needs to be institutionalized. It's that insane. You ready for this, folks? During a Father's Day Mass at the Lenox Road Baptist Church, Eric Adams claims he has this job Because of one, I can't even say person, one deity. Eric Adams, Lewis, cut number 16. 30-something years ago, I woke up out of my sleep in a cold sweat. God spoke to my heart and said, you are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. And the message was, God stated, you cannot be silent. You must tell everyone you know. Because it's a Judges 7, verse 2 through 7 moment. Because when you win the battle, I don't want you to think that you won on your own. And I don't want people to think that you won because of you who you are. You heard it right, folks. 30 years ago, in his sleep, God came to Eric Adams and said, on this date, You're going to be mayor. And son of a bitch, as Joe Biden would say, on that date, Eric Adams became mayor. They're going loco. Yeah. Well said, Donald Trump. These are, as you would say, crazy people. Completely insane. What a way to start the morning, huh, folks? But again, we've got uh, like eight great guests stopping by today. We've got all the politics, news, pop culture, sports. Who the hell are the Mets to beat anyone 11 to 1, let alone 
the Houston Astros. But behind Max Scherzer, that's what the Mets did last night. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Happy birthday, Lionel Richie. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here, exclusively on Talk Radio 77, WABC. I love you. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. To all the fathers out there, to all the dads, to all the uncles, all the role models, the coaches, all the figures, the male figures in our kids' lives. I want to share with you guys what I've learned um, as a father, as a black father. There's so many different ways to be. You're going to learn a lot from your kids, obviously, but you're going to learn a lot as you grow. I've learned so much from 20 to 40 years old, just as a man, that I've been able to pass down to my kids. The biggest thing that I try to do, no matter what, I think we all are going to do it different. We grow up with different values from different communities. Um, No matter if you look like me or you do not, I think the thing that we have to do as fathers is we have to show up. And that's what we try to do. That's what I try to do. Whether my kids are down the street or across the world, I'm always trying to show up. These are the things that they're going to remember. These are the core memories that they're going to take into their fatherhood is my dad showed up for me. My dad was always there. Whether I was a guy's the end of the bench or I was a guy that was leading the team and scoring, it doesn't matter. My dad was there. I think as a father, especially as a black father, showing up. Basketball star Dwayne Wade with his Father's Day message. He um he's got a son who's now a daughter. I forgot the kid's name, but he was a boy for about I think thirteen or fourteen years, and maybe less. I don't know, but uh, he's a girl now. Zaya. Zaya, that's right. And uh, Dwayne's a pretty good father, of course. He's married to the beautiful actress. Gabrielle Union, but he had these kids with his first wife, who, according to Dwayne, was a complete, is a complete psycho. So, Dwayne Wade, that's his Father's Day message, and I liked it. Be there, right? Just just be there. His other kids are going to be in the NBA. Supposed to be pretty good, yeah. Like LeBron James' kid, Bronny, who's going to USC this year. NBA's uh, got all kinds of stuff going on. Yesterday, there was a trade, wasn't there? Yes, yeah. Chris Paul. Yes, Chris Paul and um, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, yeah. Beal went to the Phoenix Suns. Paul went from Phoenix to Washington. And Chris Paul is claiming in today's New York Post that, yes, your old friend Isaiah Thomas 
He used to run the Knicks. Detroit Pistons Hall of Fame point guard is pulling all the strings somehow in Phoenix. And that's why he got dealt. Rumors that Zion Williamson may be dealt to Philadelphia. So a lot of uh, NBA news. I'll tell you something about the NBA. So yesterday, I went for lunch. There's a place in my neighborhood called Cali's. You know it, Lewis. It's on the corner of 129. There's a bunch of guys that own Cali's. Tommy, Brian. But the most famous name, one of the owners of Cali's, is a guy named Terrence Mullen. Terrence Mullen played basketball for Luke Cornesucca at St. John's. But, of course, his brother, Hall of Fame NBA player Chris Mullen, also played guard at St. John's and uh, is an icon. I can tell you this, folks. I never, ever watched college basketball as a little boy, ever, until I watched Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen was my hero. And those matchups, St. John's against Patrick Ewing and Georgetown, Mullen versus Ewing, just unbelievable. Mullen went on to have a great career, Golden State Warriors, Indiana Pacers. I was always upset that Chris never found his way home to play for the Knicks, but he eventually did come home and coach at St. John's years ago. Chris actually lives out in California, but he spends his summers here in the Hamptons, and he's coming home tomorrow. So I saw Terrence yesterday, and I said, you know, team, my son Gabriel, despite what the doctor said when he was a baby, is actually playing basketball. And he's hitting shots. He can dribble, he can shoot, he can defend, he can rebound. He's a miracle, my son. And he's going to play in the league, thanks to guys like Mike Sullivan, Phil Hughes, Flip Mullen, in the league at St. Francis. But he's got his own coach in New York City. And Terrence said, well, you know, my brother's coming to town Wednesday, Chris, and we've got a basketball camp that we put on in Bell Harbor one week every summer, and we'd love to have Gabriel. So I called Gabe. I said, hey, Gabe, your coaching just went from Caesar, who's a good ball player, mind you, at um, at uh, Chelsea Pierce. No, no, not Chelsea Pierce. What is that uh, with the green field, New York City? John Franco lives there, right by uh, the World Trade Center. They got two camps, uptown and downtown. Very famous camp. I forget. Anyway, he's been training there. I go, you just went from there. Liberty Park. No, to play. That's in New Jersey. To playing basketball with Terrence and Chris Mullen, and Gabe said, "What?" I said, "Yes, Gabe. You're going to spend a week playing basketball with Terrence and Chris Mullen." And Gabe. He couldn't stop talking about it all night last night, and I love that. All right, we got a lot of really good guests about to stop by. I mean a ton of them. Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Bo Deedle, Rudy Giuliani, Anna Delpos, Steven Singer, and, yes, Carrie Lake, all stopping by today. Joe Nolan has traffic, but first, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's mini cast is from the other side of Midnight host Frank Morano. He's set to join me next. Here he talks with J.C. Cole. 
What do you make of these wildfires? Do you think it's there's more than, than meets the eye here? Uh, I do. I do. <clears throat> I saw uh, some of the satellite photos <clears throat> for the stuff in Quebec, and, and uh, you know, they just popped up so fast that that's very suspicious. Do you think it's arson or something else? Well, the challenge there is is that, you know, you just won't know. And when we start to guess at it, we, you know, can can go into rumors and stuff like this. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers on the diamond in Houston. The Mets came back to life in a big way against the Astros, besting them 11-1 in the opener of a three-game series. Max Scherzer reverted back to his vintage dominant self with a brilliant performance on the mound for New York. Shoving eight innings of one-run ball on just four hits. Right, he was wildly efficient as well, throwing just 91 pitches over the course of those eight frames, 59 of which... Listen to me, Campbelly. Mm. This is the beginning of a new season for the Mets. Yeah, okay. Game 72, <laughs> win 34. The Mets, sure. last night, start the new season. Huh? They're going to lose like four straight. Probably so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that'll start tonight with Justin Verlander on the bump. Oh, Verlander back in Houston. Yeah. It's Very his, exciting. This is his first start against his uh, former team in the middle game of the series tonight at 8, 10 p.m. He'll be going up against Houston's Framber Valdez. As for the Yankees, they were off yesterday, but they're ready to get a three-game set against the Seattle Mariners underway at 7.05 p.m. tonight at the stadium. They got their ace in Garrett Cole going as well. He'll take the hill against the Seattle's George Kirby. He was sports sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to fund a dealer near you. They're the world's best boat boilers, and I'm Justin Alicon, 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Halfway. Classic on this Brian Wilson birthday. Today we celebrate Lionel Richie and Brian Wilson. So I'll be on uh, One Nation again with Brian Kilmeade coming up on Fox News on Saturday night with a person I've never heard of. That's only because I'm not that smart. This person, uh, Frank will know this person. She writes for Newsweek magazine. I think she's the editor. She's a big deal. And her name is Bacha Ungar Sargon. You know this person? I do, actually. I knew you would. And uh, actually, I'm a big fan. Is that right? I, yeah, I have absolutely. no idea who she is. Yeah, I was actually good. offended when uh, Taylor sent me that. No, she's very good. Uh, but she writes for Newsweek, so she's got to be... Is she on my team or the other team? I, I... Uh, well, she's very pro-Jewish. In fact, oh, I was good. at a policy dinner that she was at one time, and she tried to convert everyone else at the dinner into being Jewish. Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you are the chosen people. Yeah. That is the voice of the other side of midnight, highly rated, tremendous overnight program, 1 to 5 a.m. every day. He's on this show once a week, my dear friend Frank Morano. 
And I was in uh, your neighborhood on Saturday night, yeah. the Craig Carton baseball game at John Katzmatidi's beautiful Ferry Hawk Stadium, Julie Staten Island University Hospital Stadium. And then we all had dinner at one of your favorite spots, you know, your mom friends. <laughs> Angelina's Kitchen at the Staten Island Mall. It's very good. <laughs> you know, I like Angelina's Kitchen. I wouldn't call it. Uh, I wouldn't call it one of my favorite spots, but it is good. I enjoy the original Angelina's better, but it's, that's on the water. The original, right? That's right in yeah. Tottenville. Really, that's where, that's where more of the mobsters go. That's on the water. True. Yeah. That's true. I'd <laughs> yes. love to tell you that's not true, but that, that is not. A uh, happy birthday to Brian Wilson as well. Did you see that uh, Brian Wilson movie of Love and Mercy who's with up? John who, Cusack? Who, who's doing the interview here? I'm just curious. Well, sir, I'm yeah. curious. No, I'm just, I mean, because all of a sudden now you're asking me questions. I, well, I mean, am I under the sound of midnight or is this still sitting friends in the morning? Uh, no, I'm kidding. But what is the name of it now? It's Love and Mercy, like the beach, like the Brian Wilson. You know, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I appreciate that. I had Mike Love on the show. It's out of line there. A couple of months ago. And it was a great interview. I think you had him too. And I do like some of the Beach Boys songs, but unlike Bill O'Reilly, I'd never put the Beach Boys in my top 50. So I 50, did not well, see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's great even if you don't like the, the music. No, I don't dislike really him. It's no, just, but that's right. You should check out Paul yeah. Giamatti's in it. He's terrific. I love him. He plays that doctor that screwed everybody up. You know? No, I don't know. He was pig vomit in Howard Stern's no, no. Uh, movie. Well, I know, but in no. the Beach Boys, I don't know the, about the Beach Boys doctor. Okay, well, uh, was there a doctor like the guy that killed Michael Jackson? Uh, n- not quite that. Not bad. like that. No. Not, but he had no. a Svengali like hold on them. <laughs> now, um, yeah. speaking of, I have two gifts for you. Why one, you, but, why one, you, but why do you have gifts from me? Well, it started that out my birthday. It started out as a birthday gift, but it's taken a while to get this to, uh, to fruition. So now it's a combination of anniversary gift uh, slash ratings gift slash cracking the top twenty in the talkers heavy hundred. Wow! Gift. There are two gifts. One you do not deserve, but you need. Okay, I don't deserve it, but I the need it. The other one you very much deserve. Let okay. me first give you what you do not deserve, All given right. your frequent disparaging of uh, my favorite borough, the borough of my birth, that is Staten Island. I'm you, not going to open this. Is this a Staten Island flag? That is exactly what that is. This is, that so is a cute. Staten Island flag. So the next time you're out there on Staten Island for, you know, a Craig Carton charity event or right. whatever the, the case may be, you can wave that Staten Island flag proudly. I can and... wrap myself in it. Forget about Craig Carton. <laughs> it's, I mean, Homer Bush is my guy. The Ferry Hawks are my team. I'm sure I'll be back this summer for our baseball team. That's right. I can show up wrapped in this Staten Island flag. That's or, right. I got one better for you. I've been told that Anna Delphouse who's going to join me at 9.05 this morning, running against Ari Kagan in the race to beat Justin Brannon in Brooklyn. I can give her this because you tell me she actually lives in Staten Island. Well, that is what the evidence <laughs> seems to suggest at this point. Why she's not running in Staten Island, I don't understand. Now, thank you for this. This is, I was reluctant to give you on uh, on the one hand, <laughs> because as all of there's one thing about you that your critics and your fans can all agree upon, which is you may be the one person in radio that could even make Eric Adams look humble. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to feed into your ego necessarily. However, you do have to give credit where credit is due. And I've been wanting to give this to you for a while. And the ratings that you're doing are extraordinary, as you know, and you've talked about before. But what I don't know that the audience has a full appreciation of is this is a team effort that we have here at the radio station. Everybody's doing great. The station's doing great. But... 
the numbers you're doing in the morning are really propelling all of us. Thank and you. we're benefiting from the incredible job that you've done in the morning. So Thank this you. is a, a piece of art that I've had commissioned. And that is all of the weekday WABC lineup, at least all the important people. And that is all of us behind you with John and Margot looking down from an this airplane. Is unbelievable. And that is all of us sitting on your back, essentially, because the, the, um, the incredible ratings that you have done legitimately, I'm not uh, blowing smoke and people should know that you are, um, carrying all of us, and uh, you're really the linchpin of our lineup, and you deserve, uh, seriously, all the credit and recognition in the world for that. It's a great piece of art, wonderful artist that uh, that did this. Her name's Meryl Rosner. Uh, it's an original piece of art, Sid Rosenberg artwork. This is gorgeous. Isn't it great? I see Rita Cosby. I see Dominic Carter. I see uh, Curtis to my left, Rudy in a balloon, John and Margo in an airplane, um, I believe that is that Ernie Anastas. No, that's you. That's, that's you. Yeah, I'm a little thinner. Oh, that's in the Brian Kilmeade. Yeah. That's Kilmeade. And who's the guy waving with the glasses? Uh, Mark Levin. No, Levin is holding the American flag next to Dominic Carter. I believe. Yeah. Who's this guy? Uh, that is. Is that Bernard? No, that's Noam Layton. Oh my he's God! The only bald person other than. But yet. why is Noam Layton on here and not Lou Ruffino? Um, well, oh, he has his Lou, own show. Lou doesn't have his own program. Right, he's got the news show. A lot of people believe he should, but uh, right. until that day comes, you this know. is unbelievable. Yeah. What a gorgeous! Well, if you want, I'll get it framed for you. But uh, no, you I'll know, get it can, framed. Yeah, it's I love a, a this. Really, gr- I think it's a terrific. Now, where does this lady Meryl Rajno live? Is she a Staten Island native? No, she's a Manhattanite. Wow, she is extraordinary. Very this is talented. Great. Very I tough. mean, even the, the New York skyline with me sitting on top of the, I guess it's one of those buildings, Freedom Tower, Empire State, I don't know, but this is, thank you. You're welcome. Thank and you very much. Yeah, thank you to Meryl wow. for the great work she put into well, no, that a lot of time. Well, thank you for thinking of this, yes. but she is a very talented lady. No doubt about it. Oh, no my God, thank you. Yes. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, happy rating, awesome. well, happy you. heavy hundred. Thank you. Uh, you too, by the way. You're in there too, number That's 65. That's right. We did a very good job. So a Staten Island flag. Which I'm going to hang outside and I had my them queen's out. house. I had them edited out, uh, Greg Kelly from that picture. Thank you. So, uh, wow. I didn't want to be insulted. You know, I didn't notice that. He's the <laughs> yes. only one not in here. That's right. That's right. Frank knew what he was doing. No, all kidding aside, he's the only one. That's, well, right. I don't that, that's, see, that's um, why Frank at the beginning said that. No, I also don't see what's his name. Um, that's right. What's his uh, name? Uh, the guy that does, uh, my friend, uh, Bo Snurdly. Oh, Buster, yeah. Ah, uh, no. yes. Buster that was, only. That, that, that yeah. was an oversight. I mean, yeah. look. That was an oversight. Only so many. But Greg, we don't like Greg on this show. Douchebag. Oh, my God. Right. So he's not on. Okay. Well, this is go. beautiful. Thank it's like you. the old Soviet uh, photographs when you fall out of favor with the Politburo. <laughs> yeah. They airbrush you out of well, the Well, the, the difference is, is Putin will kill that person. <laughs> I'm not going to kill Greg Kelly. He's just not making the picture. Well, there this is go. really loved. I'm going to take a picture of this and put on Instagram coming up. This is awesome. Super. Thank great. you. I'm, I'm glad you really like love it. this. I no, swear no, no, to God. I, I really do, too. I'm like I so it's happy. I got one myself, too. So That's great. Frank Morano, folks. What a sweetheart. Great, great radio guy and a sweetheart thank you very much thank now, you next couple of minutes i do want to get to some of these uh city mm-hmm. council races i saw moments ago on new york one yesterday yousef salam mm. one of the kids that absolutely was wilding in central park that night i don't care what anna duvernay tries to ava duvernay writes or what they tell you exonerated by that kid was an animal and he uh he's running against inez dickens was her own issues but I think you even said yesterday this Harlem race 
maybe the most exciting city council race of all? Oh, no. Certainly in the Democratic primary. There's a couple of races that have competitive Democratic primaries, a couple of races that have competitive Republican primaries. There's even one or two competitive general elections. But this Harlem race is absolutely the most uh, high-stakes Democratic primary in Manhattan, probably in all of New York City. You have uh, Youssef Salam and uh, the uh, and Inez Dickens, who's the assembly member, who represent two very different visions of the Democratic Party. Inez Dickens is kind of your more old school, traditional New York Democrat. She doesn't like things like crime. She uh, doesn't want uh, you know the police to be defunded. Youssef Salam and uh, the other assemblyman that's running, uh, Al Taylor, I believe his name is. He uh, is on the other side of that. So what now what they're trying to do with ranked choice voting, they're actually trying to team up against Inez Dickens saying, vote for me first, vote for me second. And then this way, whoever you vote for, just don't vote for Inez Dickens so that uh, she doesn't get in. Now, meantime, Charles Rangel has endorsed Inez Dickens. Eric Adams has endorsed Inez Dickens. This is, uh, in terms of an ideological contrast, one of the starkest ideological contrasts that there is. You have Inez Dickens, who's an old-school kind of pro-law enforcement Democrat, and then Yusuf Salam, who would not want any police in his district. <laughs> yeah, of course if it was not. Up to him. Right. You know, you talk about ranked choice voting, and you said to me, that in all likelihood, Samantha Zerka is not going to win her race. She's going up against Mike Rendino's sister. Yeah, and this nepotism. Is, this is a Republican primary in the Correct. Bronx. Correct. That's right. Uh, and uh, also Havernack, which is Curtis's guy. But you said with ranked choice voting, she can do some damage. To the front runner, what does that race look like? Uh, you know, I, I really think it's anyone's game. You know, it really is going to depend on who has the better ground operation. You have to give a little bit of an edge, I would think, to uh, Christine Marmorato in the Republican primary because she's the organization's candidate, and he's Rendino's sister, right? Exactly. Right. Now and, you have to see this video that Curtis has. Oh, I saw it. It's hysterical. Some guys calling out Mike Rendino because the uh, consensus is is that Rendino lives on Long Island. In Garden City, not in the Bronx. So some guy is calling. He goes to the Rendino's house in the Bronx. He goes, come on out, Mike. And according to Curtis in the video, some real tough Italian-looking guy I saw comes it. out. You did see it. It's no Mike Rendino. That's true. That's but his true. sister is running, and she may very well win. She's got zero political experience. Zero. Yeah, a lot of people don't have political experience, and that's not a reason to hold somebody against it. You want people running for a city council that want to be active in their community. The question is, is this nepotism? Is this nepotism by someone that's chairman of a party that he doesn't even live in that party's borough? And um, what about these other gripes that people have brought up? I, I don't know what the truth is, but uh, I know you've invited Rendino on this program, right? Yeah. Yeah, so have, and, he, and he has not accepted. Really, what happened was is well, there's a lot of other opportunities for Bronx Republicans to be heard on yeah, major media outlets. I guess there? so. And I didn't even. The truth is, he reached out to us. Oh, really? He was so upset at the Samantha Zerker's appearance, he reached out to Justin, John, I think, and a few others, and said, "I'd love to go on Sid's show and correct the record." Hmm. And guess what's happened? Nothing. There's well, nothing to correct. Everything she said was true. 
According he, to Curtis. He's got this uh, business. Uh, I don't know if it's a, a, a store or a bar near Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. And uh, maybe, It's the bar right next yeah, door. You, the famous place. Uh, you could pop in there yeah. next time you're at a Yankee yeah, game. Not that, you're, not that you spend much time in bars <laughs> anymore. I don't. But, or Yankee games. I'm a Met <laughs> man, but I do go to Yankee games uh, every now and then. All right, let's get to uh, some of the national stuff. Donald Trump was on with Brett Baer last night. Mm. You and I talk all the time weekly. Almost 99% of the time, it's about the local stuff. Very rarely have I gotten your opinion on Donald Trump. What do you think about the latest indictment? Although, by the way, you were kind enough to have me on when I wrote that letter to the Commission on Judicial Conduct yes. on the um, the Trump judge in the first indictment, the state case that Alvin Bragg is bringing. The Commission on Judicial Conduct has essentially said that they find no problem right. with <laughs> yeah. the fact that Judge Mershon, this just came out last week, that Judge Mershon had made a campaign contribution to Joe Biden. So what I'd like to know is, does this standard apply to every judge? Is Every judge in the state of New York now free to make political campaign contributions. I was talking to some judges this this week, and they said this is a groundbreaking ruling. And they want in writing essentially what this this group has saying, that uh, you're allowed to make political contributions, which is the opposite of what they've been doing. You're not allowed. Judge Napolitano has told me time and time again, you're not allowed. So they screwed you. They're making up rules just to get past your letter, but you are right on the money. Your instincts were right. What this judge did was awful. He should recuse himself if not being thrown off the case, and he's still there, which is ridiculous. But uh, Trump was on with Brett Baer last night. Mm. Baer gave him a hard time about this whole document scandal. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I think the document scandal is uh, is bad. I, I think it does look like he uh, d- broke the law. I-, I think the question, though, is, is it selective prosecution, right? And I think there's also a political element to this. I think in Florida, are you ever going to get 12 Floridians in a state where Donald Trump is relatively popular to all say that he is guilty? I don't think so. I think that it raises a lot of questions. And ultimately, for leaking of classified material, usually it's just kind of low-level people like Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden and a reality winner that get get thrown in prison for that. Usually presidents <laughs> yeah. and the powerful yeah. don't get thrown in prison for re- leaking classified information. They usually get a slap on the wrist like General Petraeus or or, or uh, Sandy Berger. But you don't think that Donald Trump is going to win? I think there's a good chance that he could. I mean, I think the whole election for the general comes down to four states. I think he's almost certainly going to be the Republican nominee. And assuming it's a Trump versus Biden rematch in the general election, which yeah. I don't think is a guarantee. I think there is a real possibility that Biden may not be the Democratic nominee. And I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing Gavin Newsom do this media tour, including outlets that wouldn't traditionally host a Democrat like Sean Hannity's TV show. And I think they may use the Democrats, this Hunter Biden situation, to push Biden off the edge. The Democrats, not necessarily the Republicans, because they don't want Biden running as the nominee. But assuming it is a Biden versus Trump rematch, then I think the whole election comes down to four states. I think it comes down to Georgia, Arizona, Nevada and Wisconsin. And if the election's held today, I still think Biden wins the plurality of those states. But the election's not today. If there's a recession uh, a year, but between now and a year from now, then yep. I think that would bode well for the challenger. Of course. If there's a strong no-labels candidate that siphons off oh, some of that anti-Trump happen. vote. Oh, not going to happen. Uh, well, I don't know. Don't be so sure. Well, I think Joe Manchin? Well, look, again, you're talking, you need... 
it, uh, it, those states were decided by a minuscule margin. Right. So, so you're if even the, half a percent right, which goes we, the we other saw way. Ross Perot, those types of folks made a big difference, even without getting a lot of votes. Well, they actually changed. That would have been a Bush win instead of went to Clinton, right? Well, first of all, I have never subscribed to the conventional wisdom on that. I mean, there, even when Perot dropped out, Clinton was still leading in the yeah, race. There yeah. was no point at that point in the race in which Bush was was leading. And if you look at the autopsy of that election, a lot of the people that were that voted for Perot, they they were pretty much divided between Bush voters, Clinton voters, and people that wouldn't have voted for either yep. of those candidates. Yep. But we'll see. The point is, there's a lot of dynamics, and the, the election is not today. The election's a year from now, more than a year from now. So we'll see where it goes. Thirty seconds to go. YouTube has removed the latest Robert F. Kennedy Jr. interview. I guess it's starting to feel like even though he's only getting about 20 percent compared to Biden's 60 plus, that Robert Kennedy, and this will make uh, Jimmy Breslin's son, Kevin Breslin, very happy. Robert Kennedy may, in fact, be a legitimate competitor. You've out of mind. He's your friend. What do you think? Uh, well, he's not my friend, but I do like him. And I'm pro- very pro-vaccination, but I, I respond to a lot of what he's saying here, not just on the vax issue, but other issues. I think it's terrible what YouTube did. They should show all this information, let people make whatever decisions they want based on the information available. You have to slap a warning label on there, a slap a warning label, but Kennedy is not just polling at upwards of 20%, and I've heard from people within the Kennedy campaign that their internal numbers are even stronger than that, but he, because Biden is poised to skip New Hampshire, it looks like he's actually going to have a good shot at winning this New Hampshire primary, which is extraordinary for an incumbent Democratic president to actually lose the New Hampshire primary. It's extraordinary. So, and um, look, uh, Kennedy is polling higher than every Republican that's running for president except for Trump and DeSantis. That's so right. I don't think he's going to be the nominee, but I think the the thousands and tens of thousands of people that are responding to his message as a donor and as a voter, that really could hold the key to who the next president is. That is a great job. First of all, again, thank you so much. The Staten Island flag I think is adorable, but this painting by uh, Meryl Rosner. Oh, Very my nice. God, is this beautiful. So so thank you so much. You're welcome. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday. Thank you. I love and you. And the rest. That's uh, the great host of The Other Side of Midnight. Folks, I promise you, entertaining. You hear how smart the guy is. One to five every morning, my dear friend Frank Morano. Thank you so much. That gets us going. He's terrific. And we got a big 7 o'clock hour about to come your way, including Curtis Sliwa and my man Bo Deedle. Keep it right here. Just getting started. Three more hours to go. Sitting friends in the morning. Thank you, Frank. And God only knows what I'd be This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. 30-something years ago, I woke up out of my sleep in a cold sweat. God spoke to my heart and said, you are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. And the message was, God stated, you cannot be silent. You must tell everyone you know. Because it's a Judges 7, verse 2 through 7 moment. Because when you win the battle, I don't want you to think that you won on your own. And I don't want people to think that you won because of you who you are. I'm here in the field.
Wasteland, they're all wasted. Eric Adams, that was a Father's Day speech he put on at a church here in New York City, claiming that 30 years ago, God himself, God himself, reached out to Eric in his sleep and said, you're going to be mayor in 30 years. And wow, it's actually happened. Divine intervention. But I'm curious, teenage wasteland, they're all wasted. You're not inferring, Curtis Lieber, that Eric was drunk when he made that speech on Sunday, are you? No. No. No, in fact, uh, when I come on at 12, my lead-in song, uh, Lou, will be Stairway to Heaven. Now, why is that? Because Eric Adams uh, laid out the roadmap for your Stairway to Heaven. Oh, did he really? Oh, you had to. Oh, I got more cuts. Remember, I introduced the cuts yesterday. Yeah, I've got a bunch here, too, but uh, I'm going to not play them. Because I want you to play them. Yes. Because this is really your battle. Yes. Now, just so you know, I am, uh, I've gone sideways on Eric. You've heard that. Uh, he did not return my Happy Father's Day text. I'm pissed. The last couple of weeks, he has not been uh, reaching out. He's not done a very good job, which is most important of all. And I think now what I'm going to do is spend the next couple of years, and I mean this, spend the next couple of years building your campaign moving further away from the Democrat Eric Adams, building your campaign, because I really believe in my heart of hearts when we have the Rocky Apollo Creed rematch that this time around, Curtis Sliwa will be the deserved mayor of New York City. Yeah, but wait a second. You didn't mention that something else has happened in the in-between. When you were riding high in the camp of Eric Adams, when he was texting and sexting maybe you on a regular basis. Hey, now. You were in the hot tub with Anthony Carone, like every day, (laughs) brother of Frank Carone, who was his former chief of staff. Well, I did speak to both Anthony and Frank on Father's Day. We all exchanged very pleasant Happy Father's Day messages. I like those guys. You, you should ask them to translate what uh, Eric said at the Lenox Road Baptist Church on Ocean Avenue. But before we get there, you cheated on these guys because you said at the start of the show that you were swapping spit with Lou. You were lip-locking yes. with Lou. Yes, that's only one time, though. At, no. Doesn't matter. Remember, we saw that with uh, Gabe Vito in The Sopranos with Johnny Case. Remember, I could see Lou dancing with a biker's cap on, you know, and then all of a sudden going up to New Hampshire, oh, yeah. you two guys on the Harley Pancakes. That's right, pancakes. And then all of a sudden, Lou downstairs, the security guard said, hey, will Lou be filleting me today? Come on, you guys. It was like... It was like homoerotic love between well, the both I, of you. I, I got to say this. Gay Pride Week. You know, to this day, the whole Sopranos cast hates Joe Ganiscoli for going to David Chase and even uh, asking about that role, which he got. But if you thought my statement about Lou was rough this morning, the closer thing to gay sex was Frank and the way he detailed what I've done for this station, the ratings, everybody on my back, and this beautiful picture that he gave me where literally I'm a life-size figure and the rest of you are like little figures 
holding on to my back. That's called job <laughs> security. The uh, Mameluk, right? His big interview was with Jim McGreedy. Talk about two guys in a hot tub. Talking about gay. Oh, my God, <laughs> Frank. What a sickle fan told you like it. Never asked him a tough question. Like you were McGreedy. You didn't resign because you were a gay American. You resigned because you were the most corrupt governor ever to sit in the executive uh, office oh, in Trenton. Be careful. The most corrupt. Worse than Chris Christie? Absolutely with his beak in the trough. Come on. That's why he resigned. Oh, I don't know. Had nothing to do with just Golan No, I, I, I know that. I know that. Yeah, but would, Frank, would, would, you Frank, would you compare him to the New York corrupt governors? Andrew Cuomo... Kathy Hochul, not that bad. New Jersey. New Jersey, okay. Is the Soprano state. Let's get that very clear. <laughs> That's true. Where corruption is in their DNA. And let me tell you something. You would have thought Frank would have asked him one tough question. That's the biggest softball interview I ever heard. He threw him a beach ball, not a 13-inch clincher. So <laughs> he funny. is like your number one sickle fan now because he him. wants jobs. I he love gives him. you a flag from Staten Island. Yes. And the picture that I noticed, no, nobody in there has a guinea tea on eating a sausage and pepper sandwich. That's not a real Staten Island depiction. It's not? No, no. Come oh, on. Man. Come on. Don't you know that's the Chinese guys who do that in Times Square for I all know, the tourists? I know. I see that, yes. But this lady happens to be Jewish. Meryl Rosner That's this. what he says. Oh, so we had a Chinese guy write the Come name on, Meryl? Come on. He knew you would have you would been, oh, yeah, it's a, yeah, a Jew, a Zionist. You see, you've come on with all this vitriol towards Frank, and I really thought, even though you and I have gotten very, very close, yes. that you would have directed that towards me, because coming up in the 9 o'clock hour this morning, yes. I am bringing on Anna Delpaus, who's running against your candidate, Ari Kagan, and don't forget, a couple of weeks ago, I brought Samantha Zerka into studio, yes. who's running against your candidate, George Havernack, right. so now I've made it a practice to bring in people running against your candidates, well, I you love don't it. seem to care. I love it because you called her Anna Doofus. <laughs> so I right away, not. no, no, there's yes, no proof you did. of that. No, no, I have the proof. No, I you have don't. the tape from yesterday. No, you called no, no. her Anna Doofus. Lewis, is that true, Lewis? Did I actually refer to this? Who's a lovely lady, I might add. Yeah, who lives in Staten Island. Hey, lady, uh, you got to cross the Guinea hey, Gangplank, Verrazano Bridge, come into Brooklyn. But anyway, l let me not digress because I'm concerned. About our mayor. As you know, I am probably the best person in all of New York City who works with emotionally disturbed persons. Everybody acknowledges that. Right. I'm not even sure you're not uh, emotionally disturbed, well, to be I, honest. I'm on, I'm on the cusp. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. That's how you understand them. Right. There are five levels of schizophrenia. I deal with them all. You've seen me deal with them in the streets. I do. One of the levels of schizophrenia is a guy will come up to me or a woman say, I had a conversation with God. God talks yeah. to me. I said, how often does God talk to you? Well, it doesn't take place frequently, but it does happen. And, and you know who does that? A lot of these leaders who turn out to be murderous. I'm being yes, honest. Yes. Guys like Jim Jones. Yes. He spoke to God. Oh, yeah. You look at some of the most ruthless people in the history of the world. God and they commanded spoke to God. them to do yes. it. Yes. So here it was, Eric Adams. On the stage of the Lenox Road Baptist Church of Nostrand Avenue on Sunday with a $5,000 customized suit. we got to have Joseph Laboud uh, actually critique that suit. And then he says God told him he'd leave New York City and asked him in return to publicly proclaim faith. 
but told him that 30 years ago. He's in a cold sweat. God only knows with Johnny Cakes or some femme fatale. He wakes up in a sweat. This is when he was in the police department. This is when he was a house mouse, you know, with white shirt immunity because he was always in the precinct. He never was an active cop. And God at that moment said, Eric, 30 years from now, on January 1st, 2022, you will be the mayor of New York City. You seem skeptical. Like now, that didn't happen. Let's, let's face it. <laughs> anybody else saying that, you'd say, let's take them for a psychiatric observation to yeah. Bellevue here. You know, if we get two, uh, two, uh, psychs, uh, psychiatrists who actually agree, we'll put them out in Creedmoor, Creedmoor for a little bit, Kings County. You know, let him get his meds. I mean, this is a guy who said, when I said this to people on the stage, he says, people thought that I was on medication. Yeah, I would say shrooms, <laughs> LSD, psilocybin, oh, you oh, name God. it. Oh, I mean, we're talking hallucinogens. <laughs> yeah. we're talk I mean, this is serious <laughs> stuff. And then he said, and then right before the campaign, a.k.a. before I knew I had to uh, deal with that McWhitey Whitey, that cracker Curtis, God came to me again. No. Yes. God came to me again and then told me this was the route to what I had to do, that I had to sit down and write in my journal everything that you see that needs to be fixed in the city. And every night before going to bed, you know, he said his prayers after coming out of Club Zero Bond until the break of dawn. And I'd make another entry in my journal and I'd start making marks and I would start seeing the people who I needed to be part of my administration. So the people that you see in my administration now. Now, they're not there by accident. They were chosen by God. Eric Ulrich, I thought, was chosen from the Banano crime family. How did the Banano crime family get involved with Jesus Christ? This guy is wigged out. He is wow. gone. Wow. He says, I pick non-traditional people chosen by the political experts. No, 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 no. If all the professionals were all that good, yeah. then why were we in such a mess? I inherited this city in a mess. Meantime, he gave him a B-plus, Bill de Blasio. I know. Remember and and, and by the base. way, I, I will tell you, somebody sent me some meme last week or a message. Do you know that Eric Adams has had more turnover than Donald Trump had the first two years as president from his police commissioner, a bunch of commissioners already gone, when, when, a bunch of his top aides already gone. So all these people that he's claiming God chose for them, wouldn't you? God told him to leave. Wouldn't you be <laughs> a little concerned when Eric Adams finally spent some time in City Hall instead of cutting ribbons and running all over the city like a borough president, that he walks into your office about something serious, the illegal aliens, and he goes, I don't care what anyone is saying. It's time to pray because God is commanding me to talk about God and to be the black Moses and accept these people into the city because they're our brothers and sisters. Now, imagine you're working for the mayor at that time and you're saying, oh, my God, this guy's flipping the script. This guy is in a drug-induced psychosis. What do we say to the mayor? I need this job. I got, I got kids to support. You know, I got bills to pay. Come on, Sid. This is really serious stuff. Under normal conditions, you would say, put the guy in a straitjacket, call them over. They're coming to take him away. They're coming to take him away. Oh, my. They're coming and taking away to the little farm and funny farm where life goes on and people say they talk to God all the time. I am going to co-bust this guy. I want people to know this is the guy you elected. Hey, 
Remember, this is what you say to people. I voted for Sliwa. Don't blame me for the disaster of this city. In fact, Eric Adams wants you to blame God because he is the voice of God. J.C. Hashem, he is the anointed one. He has been divinely chosen to lead us into total destruction and annihilation. This guy is a nut job. And you would like to do a poll right now, Sid. Do a poll and see if I don't beat this screwball. If people knew this about Eric Adams, you think they would have elected a mayor? They would have elected to send them upstate to a psychiatric facility in Colony, New York, and they would have said, shoot the guy with Thorazine, every conceivable drug. Don't let him go until he's... Today at 12, don't miss the rip and read. I'll play you the rest of God speaking in tongues to your mayor, mayor of the illegal aliens. Eric, I am divinely driven by God to destroy New York City. Don't blame me, ladies and gentlemen. You voted for him. Now it's time to suffer. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Commodore's Lionel Richie, oh no, they use this in one of my favorite teen angst movies ever, Last American Virgin. Happy birthday, Lionel Richie. You know, tomorrow is the first day of summer, talking about birthdays, so the official first day of summer is tomorrow. Summer 2023 is here. So that was a great segment, two great segments in a row, Frank Morano and Curtis Sliwa. Still a lot of uh, really cool stuff to come, including here for his regular Tuesday appearance coming up next, former cop, great actor, my dear, dear friend Bo Deedle. Then you'll get uh, Gnome's Nuggets. Then we'll talk to the esteemed mayor on 3 o'clock every weekday afternoon here, my dear friend Rudy Giuliani. Then we're going to talk to Anna Delfaus running in that, uh, I believe it's District 47, not sure, city council race against Ari Kagan in an effort to beat Justin Brannon down the road. And uh, we're also going to talk to Carrie Lake, 
Very excited about this one. Carrie Lake, who, of course, we all thought won when she ran for governor in the state of Arizona, but uh, she lost. And she contends to this day, like Donald Trump, it was rigged, and she got screwed. I'm not sure she's wrong. We'll talk to Carrie coming up at 925. And then entertainer Steven Singer, who does a great Sinatra, like Piscopo, and he'll be at the cutting room coming up tomorrow night. He performs locally, I believe, every Monday night here in New York. Steven Singer coming up at 940. So a lot to do. I do want to get a couple of these Trump cuts in. He was on with Brett Baer last night. It was relatively contentious. Trump is on record just thrashing Fox News. Every time I go on, I get nervous. In fact, I'll be back on with Brian Kilmeade Saturday night, his show One Nation. I was on Brian Kilmeade show filling in for Tucker Carlson last week. I'll be back on Jesse Waters next week. So I'm doing a lot more Fox News stuff these days, and I hope Trump doesn't get pissed off. But he was on Fox News, and Bear gave him a bit of a tough time. Where is the uh, the question here, the back and forth? Where uh, Brett, it's number three, number three, where they're talking about the uh, the documents, and Trump keeps saying, "Wait a second, Mike Pence has documents. VP, not a president, can't declassify them. Joe Biden, tons of documents, thousands of boxes as a senator and a VP. So him and Brett Baer go at it. This is uh, cut number three, Lewis. Once again, courtesy of Fox News last night." But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would Obama say much, plan. much more. Not that I know of, but not that I know of. But everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Right. I'm not going to belabor this. No, but, belabor this, but when I, you look I at this, get to the other specific. presidents, when they leave, they take the papers. They have thousands and thousands. Obama had it. Nixon had it. Carter had Their it. The Bushes had it. These are super sensitive national security oh, documents. I'm sure, I'm sure, All right, so here's, I'm sure you'll see is, real super sensitive that Biden has because Biden is, has far more than anybody's ever kept. And he turned them over when asked. No, he but, didn't. He that's, still that's hasn't he given the 1,850 boxes that stored at the University of Delaware. In fact, they're fighting them in court, right. and they're fighting them. And but he the opened boxes, up for them to look at it. Excuse me. The boxes excuse from me. Chinatown, he didn't turn them over. He sent them up to his lawyer in Boston to look at before they handed them over. And there are special counsel that's looking at that, and we'll see what comes well, out of it. But I do want to just you can imagine. This. I don't want to dwell I mean, on is this Fox News or Caitlin Collins on CNN? You know when Donald Trump goes to these two words, excuse me, he really wants to punch you across the face. So uh, one more here before Bo Deedle. Brett Bear asked him flat out, are you worried about this latest indictment? And he worried. And here is Donald Trump's stock answer. Cut number two. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. 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 Presidential Records Act plus the act, plus the Clinton case, the Clinton case, which was won by Clinton as president because he took he took tapes of leaders in his socks. Uh, zero. Okay. Zero. And every good lawyer has said it. And you've seen that. Every good lawyer has said that. 
zero. You gotta love that. All right, Bo Deedle, our third guest of the day, coming up for his regular Tuesday spot momentarily. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Nuggets, Rudy Giuliani, Stephen Singer. We're going to talk to um, Anna Delpos and Carrie Lake. But we put this time aside every Tuesday morning for a man that distinguished himself for the better part of about two decades as one of the greatest cops in the history of New York City. He's gone on to become a great actor. Big screen movies like The Irishman, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, TV shows like Godfather of Harlem, and our show together, Gravesend, which uh, debuts, I believe, next Friday, season two on Amazon Prime. He also did uh, that movie Gemini Lounge, which is now called Inside Man with Me. And most importantly, he's my dear, dear friend for nearly 25 years. So we'll start with this, Bo. My phone was ringing off the hook on Friday. You know why. You want to talk about what we read about on Friday afternoon? Well, all I could say is that I'm conferring with attorneys as we speak now. It was a very, very heavy hit piece loaded with lies and misinformation. I'm going to talk about what the real deal is, Sid, and I thank you for letting me talk about this because this is my platform. And by the way, while you talk about it, just realize one thing. I did not reach out to you. I didn't call you. I didn't text you because Danielle and I had dinner on Friday, and we said it's a bunch of BS, and Bo is right. my best friend. And if I, I figured if I reached out to you, I would lend credence to it. So I acted as if it never existed. Well, well it never existed, and that's why I don't even want to mention what it was about. Let's, let's talk about the reality of what's going on in the New York Post. I talk about it all the time on the show and about this lucky sperm, this Lachlan Murdoch. And the re- they must really need more readers when they throw my name in some fake article that says nothing, and, and that's the end of it. I don't even want to go into the article because it was a load of baloney, and all you do is you can read it and say, well, what did it say? It says nothing. All they wanted to do was to, is have a hit piece on Bo Deedle. Okay, very simple. He's weaponized. Maybe it was uh, maybe it was Joe Gorga who put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, what? What he's doing is he's weaponizing the New York Post, and he's doing this with def, uh, defamation and lies. Now, this all started way back. If you remember back in 2009, when this guy Alite, 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 whatever his name, that was testifying against John Gotti Jr. in his trial, all of a sudden I was in Venice, and we were in Venice, Italy, and the headline in the New York Post It's becoming like the Inquirer. The New York Post was Bo Deedle, one of 11 involved with murder and drug dealing. Uh, It was a story about John Alight, Alight, and he made a statement about these people, cops, and all bad things. And then he says, and then there was a New York City detective 
1986, who I saw at a car wash in on in in, in uh, Woodhaven or Howard Beach, and I saw him give papers to Richard Gotti, and then he got money back. And the paragraph was a six-sentence paragraph at the end of the story. One little problem. Bo Deedle retired from the New York City Police Department on February 14, 1985. In 1986, I was running for the United States Congress for the 6th Congressional District from Joe Adabo's seat. This is the information that the New York Post ran, not realizing, not doing proper due diligence what they put in the paper. Then it all comes again. And my relationship with the Fox News was uh, 12 years of being a contributor, doing all the shows, Hannity, O'Reilly, everybody. And then when I decided to run for mayor in 2016, this little dickhead, this lucky sperm, Lachlan Murdoch, he then all of a sudden, he refused to put me in the paper, give me any kind of coverage, even though I raised over a million and a half dollars, and I was a legit cabinet candidate. I had to go and do debates with Big Bird de Blasio, but the New York Post, was directed by Lachlan. He, I've been told many times that they didn't want any positive things about me in their paper. And you can see they make up lies. Right now, they're, they're, they're doing it again. In 2023, some story that was over, over three and a half, four years ago was put to bed, and they put this story with no facts, no truths about me in the story. They lumped me into a story against some bad guys that did bad things. And, oh, by the way, Bo Deedle. And they love to put my name as the headline. All I can say is the New York Post has become really sloppy and inaccurate paper. You know what? I sent op-ed, op-ed pages to the Post, and I was told many times, Bo, you're not going to get put in the Post. This wannabe little Lachlan there, he is the one that's blocking you all the way. You know what? Look what he's done, Lachlan, since he's been in charge News Corp, remember, they just paid out almost a billion dollars on the lawsuit. All of a sudden, now they have another $2.5 billion. And now I'm speaking with my attorneys and this law firm. I'll say the name there, Lockery, because I know you're listening. Sussman Gottfried, they're the ones that took you down for the billion. I'm going to be talking with them about my case against you defaming me and liable these articles that you're putting in there. Remember, Smart Tech is next. $2.5 million. If I was on the board or if I had any stock in this uh, news corp, I would sell it because they're going down with this leader. I don't understand why this lucky sperm is not taken down. And then I heard something about Tom Cruise Lachlan. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, is that a little code, Lachlan? You know what I mean, pal. You remember, you want to play with me? I'll play right back with you. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. Oh, I have another example in the New York Post. They read, they read about this incident that happened with B.B. Rexer at the concert at the seaport that I do the security. Somebody threw a phone out, a cell phone, to put a gash in the head. My security guys, like always, jumped up there, grabbed the guy, held him down, called the cops. It was a great thing. But he would never mention Bo Deedle and Associates doing a great job. Also, he's banned me. Listen to this one. I got I got evidence that he's banned me from the Fox News building not to come into the building. And all I could say was, you know, all those years I was there and I used to do the shows with Tucker Hannity. They told me, Bo, you can't get, get on the shows. Lachlan has banned you. And if there was any shareholder, again, again, you have to sell your stock because this punk is taking it down. The board of directors got to get him. And that's enough with this. 
garbage can. Hey, punk, you want to play? Let's go. You're just a lucky sperm, and I think it's over. Remember, Lachlan, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, he knows what I mean. <laughs> okay, well, I don't put it. I'm dying to find out. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's move off of this. Uh, certainly you yeah. made your point, Paul. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bill de Blasio, and you did yes. run against Bill de Blasio. Yes. And, uh, of course, I'll never forget the Easter Sunday headline. I was in Boston, and I was running the marathon, yes. and I was BS, too. Uh, but nevertheless, de Blasio, we know for eight years, most of us consider him the worst mayor ever. Lazy. But... If he's lazy, is this guy crazy? When you heard the audio that I played now for two days, and Curtis, of Eric Adams saying that God told him 30 years ago, 30 years ago, he was going to be mayor, and son of a bitch, it happened. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I'm scared as hell. I'm scared as hell. (laughs) And I I personally have been texting him, and he hasn't been calling me back. Me either. Me either. I'm the original original guy to raise. 100,000 when he was running for state senator. I've been there at his side all the way through the borough presence, all the way up. And for some reason, I'm getting cock blocked by him also. So I don't know what the heck is going on. And I listened to that thing. The well, other I, day. I think uh, what happened was it wasn't locked, and it was God who told him not to talk to you, just so you know. Well, well, <laughs> and, 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 well, I, I don't think it was, well, it was bad, very bad. But did you watch? Biden and Futterman in Pennsylvania. Oh, my God, was, was that like a mess. What, what's this word that, that Futterman used? Hold on. Now that you brought it up, Lewis, come here, Lewis. you got <laughs> you got to play cut number 12 right now. Bo brought it up. And yeah. infractation yeah. bill. Here's John Fetterman over the weekend where Joe Biden started his 2024 campaign in Philadelphia. You know, of course, Fetterman is a senator there. Uh, Bo yeah. brought it up. Great job, Bo. This is it. Joe Fetterman, cut, uh, John Fetterman, cut number 12. And now... I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. What? And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation <laughs> to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of that, the, the jewel uh, uh, kind of a, uh, uh, law. Of the, uh, stop in, this. It's not break. even fair to, uh, I mean, uh, that, I mean, no, I mean no, 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 that, 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 that is so perfect. And then Biden tried to talk. It was like dumb and dumb. <laughs> I, I, this is, this is the Democratic Party. They should use that. If I was running for president, <laughs> DeSantis and Trump should say, this is the Democratic Party. Yeah. This, and the, you know, and the people actually, actually they have stickers with this Fool, Futterman, Fetterman, whatever it is, hunchback of Notre Dame moron. And they actually have bumper stickers with his name on. I'd crash into a pole with that. (laughs) No, but we did really good. We did really good with uh, Blinken, Blinken the moron. All of a sudden, he makes the most stupid comment, giving the green light to China. And he says, U.S. doesn't support Taiwan independence. That is the opening for China to come and attack you, fool. Why don't you send another phony letter around about Trump. He's the one that did this. And this this punk here, ooh, he needs a good crack in the head. He needs, and you want to know something? Then he asked about this, this uh, to establish this military back channel. What that is, is when these jets get close and boats, they don't want an incident to happen. Because once an incident happens, they fire rockets, they shoot one of our planes. This could become a major conflict leading to war. And now what uh, President Z did, President Fried Rice, whatever his name is, all of a sudden, and, 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 and I'll put it on the record, and I'll put it on the record, China sucks, 
they suck. Anybody from China suck. So stick that, you hat, Lachlan. Okay, <laughs> next one. Next one. McGreevy. McGreevy wants to run for something. You know what? I have friends. Well, he wants state- to run for the mayor of Jersey City. Yeah, okay. I got state trooper friends from New Jersey who told me some stories. He was a regular at the truck stops there in New Jersey. Okay. When these truckers, truckers rode for two weeks, they were a little grimy and greasy. Oh, Governor McGreevy was there. He was ready and willing to clean them up. Some of them, some of these tough, tough tired truck drivers were very tired. But McGreevy relieved any of the pressure that they had in them from those long falls oh across the country. You don't think that's true? Of course yeah. it's true. Listen. And then, oh, uh, we, did good. We, did, we, we did good this weekend, Juneteenth. Oh, how many was shot? How many was dead? Juneteenth, another Fugazi uh, holiday. The real holiday is the Emancipation Proclamation, which was on January 1st by Abraham Lincoln. That's the holiday we should be celebrating. And all of a sudden, I hear little rumblings. Guess what they may change Juneteenth to? How about George Floyd Day? Oh, God. Oh, no. You know, it's funny you say that. I saw ESPN did a whole piece on Juneteenth yesterday, and they were showing pictures of George Floyd like he was a hero, not the drug-addled scumbag who was arrested nine times and put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. George Floyd was an epping lowlife, lowlife, and ESPN is putting pictures up of the guy like you said. They may name a day after him. And and, and every one of these incidents, they make these scumbag lowlifes as heroes. And my big thing is I remember 2020 as well as you do, what they did with these criminals, looting Macy's over there on 34th Street, breaking winds, nobody getting arrested. And anyone who was arrested were released and charged with drop arson, beating people up. And they were not under the consumption of the law. You know, when I had Bill Bratton, Bill Bratton, I think, is one of the finest police commissioners. Yes. When I had him on my Bo Deedle's true crime story, he said it all. He said that was the downfall of policing across this country, this George Floyd thing. And again, we don't want to know about fentanyl. And I still haven't seen the autopsy report on that hero Marine. Uh, uh, what's, called, what's his name? Forget, forget about you. I haven't seen you talk about Daniel Penny. My friend is attorney Thomas Knipp hasn't seen the toxicology report. Right. And I told Knipp, you know, I'll go in that, in that trial anytime. I'm defending another kid over there in, 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 uh, wrongfully charged with two scumbag murderers who were both dead and they didn't die from him when they got shot in the neighborhood. One of this little Spanish cop over there in Newark and they, they arrested him for murder and I'm, testifying on his behalf. If anything, he should have got a medal, and we, we'll go over it one day. Now, real fast, real fast, Snaggletooth. Snaggletooth, it's not working out with the pot store. You're not making any investment. It's just 2,000 pot stores selling illegal pot. Only have 12 licenses. Snaggletooth, you're making no money, you fool. Oh, we lost them. Wow, that was a great phone call, though. Bo Deedle. That's my guy, Bo Deedle. I don't care what you write about him. I don't care what you say about him. I know Bo Deedle. I know him, I think, as well as anybody. As well as Margo, as beautiful Margo. That is a good man, a great New Yorker, and a great American. Here twice a week, my guy, another great appearance, Bo Deedle. Not nearly done. Gnomes Nuggets, Rudy Giuliani. Steve Maglia, that's the man, performs at the Carnegie every Saturday. Going to be at the Cutting Room on Wednesday night. We're going to talk to Anna Delphouse and Carrie Lake. A very exciting two hours about to come your way. 
on New York's number one talk show. That's me, Sid and Friends, in the morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Go get them, Bo. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. It's been 10 years of horror. It's horrible. Eight years under the Blasio, almost two years of Adams, 10 years of horror. Since 2013, New York City has witnessed a terrifying reality. Trapped in a paradox filled with crime, turmoil, and pizza rats. All this coinciding with the mayoral elections of Bill de Blasio and Eric Adams. For the last 10 years, the people of the greatest city in the world have been trapped in the Twilight Zone. He's creepy and he's crooked, mysteriously stupid. The leadership is putrid, Eric Adams' family. His house is a museum when migrants come to see him. Mayor Rudy did it better, Eric Adams' family. Crime. Slime. On your dime, he's the swagger man with no plan. Horrible for Manhattan, cause stabbings tend to happen. Eric Adams family. Work right there by uh, Chris Libertini, who, of course, is the voice of this station. That is really good stuff. Able to combine the Twilight Zone and the Adams family. It has been 10 years of hell. And um, although I like Eric Adams more than Bill de Blasio, I'm sick of saying it. You know, I get tired of prefacing stuff, you know. But uh, Libertini, with the help of Chris Pavona and Dan Herschel, that's the type of stuff we need more of on this show. Those little bits. And then we're good. Right? You've got the best talk show host in New York City. You've got the greatest team around him. You've got the best guests. We're unafraid. Funny. you got Lou, who's just... I mean, if anybody speaks to God, it's Lou, not Eric Adams. Lou may be God. I, Lou may be God. Well, lucky sperm, if nothing else. <laughs> I don't know about that. Don't make me uh, say what I want to say, because I'm... Trying to be... What are you going to say? No, you know what I'm going to say. Don't, don't, don't make me say it. I've used that term once before to describe somebody else. 
at this station. So I'm not going to say it. Oh, negatively. <laughs> yeah, no, no, positively. Okay, I didn't know like, <laughs> yeah. you were yeah. going to say that I'm not going to do it again. Okay, uh, about right. me? But I hate prefacing stuff. Thank you, Chris Libertini. Like, you always got to say, he didn't deserve to die, but George Floyd was a lowlife, which he was. <laughs> I really like the guy, but Eric Adams has done more bad than good. Like, there's always that that you know, that the virtue signal, you know. Preface it with something nice. You've done that before, right? I really like, like your girlfriend, but she's fat and ugly. What? <laughs> no, no, Excuse I, me? Who said that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, Donald Trump did his first interview last night <laughs> since he got indicted. She's so nice. She's so nice. Oh, I, I just, oh. she, she baked that for you? <laughs> yeah. that, wow, you're lucky sperm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Trump was on with uh, Brett Baer. And to be honest, Brett Bear is one of the hosts, and I watch him, 6 o'clock some nights, because I like the five, you know, because I love Judge Jeanine Pirro, and I like Jesse. I think Greg Gutfeld sucks, but I like Janine. I like I like Dana Perino. And then I leave it on because I watch Jesse at 7. So I watch Bear, but Bear is one of the reasons why Donald Trump hates Fox News, because I don't know if he's a Republican or a Democrat. I can't tell. Some of you may like that. I don't. I put on Fox News to hear Republicans. I can put on CNN. I can put on MSNBC. I can watch any network newscast. Guys like Bill Ritter. I don't want that on Fox News. Now, I don't own it. They can do what they want. But I agree with Trump. Guys like Brett Baer. I mean, Trump is on there. Don't fight with them about Biden and documents. Biden's got 2,000 documents, Brett. Dick Stein, 2,000. What are you talking about? Giving Donald Trump a hard time. What do you think, you're going to win some type of award? I'm Mr. Journalist sitting in Washington, D.C., the Beltway. I mean, you know, the Donald, when Donald Trump says this, excuse me, then you know it's over. Now, unlike Carrie Lake, who we'll get to in just a bit, he didn't walk out of the studio before it was said and done, but you know he was annoyed. So he starts off, and Brett Baer asks him, hey, uh, Mr. President, are you concerned about this indictment? And this is why you got to love Donald Trump. Lewis, cut number two. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. 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 Presidential Records Act plus the act plus the Clinton case, the Clinton case, which was won by Clinton as president because he took... He took tapes of leaders in his socks. Uh, zero. Okay. Zero. And every good lawyer has said it, and you've seen that. Every good lawyer has said that. He goes on to say, wait a second, Brett. Mike Pence, he was the vice president. He has documents. Joe Biden, the sitting president, has documents when he was a senator. Why? And vice president. Donald Trump, Lewis, cut number six. Mike Pence had documents that were classified. And he turned them over. No, he didn't turn them over. He got <laughs> caught. His lawyers found some documents, and then he turned them over. Why did he have them? He shouldn't be saying that because he had classified documents. And immediately they said, oh, that's okay. And I suppose it's going to be okay with Biden, too, even though he has them in Chinatown, even though he has them in Delaware, and probably a hundred times more than I have. So then they go right back to Biden, you know. Trump makes a point. 
He's got thousands of boxes. You know how Brett Baer stood up for Mike Pence there? He does the same thing for Biden here. Brett Baer, Fox News, Lewis, Donald Trump, cut number three. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would say much, much more, not that I know of, but not that I know of, but everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Right, I'm not going to belabor this. No, but, belabor Brett, this, but when I, you look I at this, just get to the other specific. presidents, when they leave, they take the papers. They have thousands and thousands. Obama had it. Nixon had it. Carter had Their it. The Bushes is that had these it. are super sensitive national security oh, documents. I'm sure, I'm sure, All right, so here, I'm sure you'll <laughs> see real super sensitive uh, that Biden has because Biden is, has. Far more than anybody's ever kept. Yeah. And he turned them over when asked. No, he but didn't. But he still shut up. I mean, shut up, guy. So then Trump, uh, thank God for Trump, he goes on to talk about, let me tell you something. When I was president, Russia wasn't a, uh, a threat. China wasn't a threat. What do you say now, Brett, tough guy? Donald Trump, cut number four. For four years, they didn't invade Taiwan. And they never even talked about it. You'll find very few discussions about it. And for four years, Russia never even thought about it. Because Putin and I had a very good relationship, business relationship. But I got along with him and he got along with me, despite the phony Russia witch hunt, which made it much more difficult. Having that phony Adam Schiff, Hillary Clinton witch hunt for two and a half years going on made it much more difficult. Despite that, he knew he could not go into Ukraine. I told him very strongly, you can't do it. And if you do it, it's going to be a problem. And he never did. Now, uh, to close out some of this Trump audio, he talks about, I was good with Putin. Clearly, Putin was intimidated by Donald Trump. That's a good thing. They weren't in bed together. He was intimidated by Trump. Now we're close to a nuclear war. Donald Trump, cut number nine. You're, you're possibly very close right now. This is the most dangerous time in the history of our country. You're possibly very close to having a nuclear war with Russia. So Carrie Lake is one of Donald Trump's faves. She ran for governor in the state of Arizona. And much like Donald Trump back in 2020 and my friend Tom Sullivan locally in Queens, she seemingly won. And then, of course, Arizona pulled some type of nonsense. I don't know. And she didn't win. And she's been yelling for years about it. But all the way back a couple of years ago, she did an interview on Australian 60 Minutes. The guy's name is Liam Bartlett, and he was pounding her on Donald Trump on January 6th. (laughs) And it got really ugly to the point where she walked off the set. And I'm playing this because Carrie Lake makes her debut on this program with me coming up in about an hour at 925 this morning. But this is great. Dating back to March of 2022, Australia's 60 Minutes. Carrie Lake gives it to Liam Bartlett. And it sounded like this, cut number 14. We saw lots and lots of, of very confronting pictures over many days uh, as they replayed various angles on it. On the January 6th, uh, riots, insurrections, call it what you like. I mean, how did you see that? How do you view the events of the 6th of January at the Capitol? Well, that really doesn't have anything to do with being governor of Arizona. I wasn't there. 
I had nothing to do with that, sir. Well, your 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 man it, it's Donald. Always, it's you're, always the conspiracy theorists in the media, no, which I'm. Well, that's not ca- true. I'm counting that's, you as. Well, that's not no, true you, at you all. Guys, that's not true no, at all. You've ca- you've ca- Carrie, no, you've called. Carrie, our, you've let's called be fair on this. Let's be fair on this. Your man you've Donald. You've called our election the big lie. Your man you've Donald called, brought it up. Your man Donald said. Only Why a would few, you say that, sir? What, but, your man Donald. Well, well, he is. I mean, he's endorsed you personally. He said well, he said a few days ago that those people at the Capitol should be pardoned. They should all be pardoned. Do you think they should be pardoned? I'm still amazed that you say your man Donald. That's just so disrespectful. Well, why, why would it be? He's endorsed you. He, you have his personal endorsement. It's just, it's just the flippant attitude. It's obvious that you've come into this. It's obvious you've come into this interview and you don't like... President Donald Trump. Kari. It's obvious. Well, do you think they should be pardoned? Do you think they should be pardoned? I I have no say in that. I'm running for governor. This isn't something a governor does. You're trying to twist this interview and trying to make me look bad. You're a Republican. He's the the Republican leader. What I don't like is that people are being held in prison without being charged. That's un-American. Maybe they get away with that stuff in Australia. Australia. Perhaps in Australia, because you've given your rights away, you melted down all of your guns and you guys have no freedom, that you find that okay. But here in America, we do things differently. We have something called the U.S. Constitution, and we have rights. So we'd be better off having more guns here. I mean, what, you would be better off? Yeah, you would. You absolutely would, sir. You absolutely would. I feel so sorry for the people in Australia. Have no power. The only thing keeping us from being Australia right now is our Second Amendment. And we will never ever let that go. Mark my words. What we saw happening in Australia, where you have internment camps and people are being forced, if they've encountered anybody with COVID, to be locked into a quarantine camp, is the most horrifying thing I think I've ever seen a government do. Would it's it, frightening. And if you, if you can't see that, I feel sorry for you. Would it have been better? This is our last question, Liam. We have to run, but thank you for your time. Just, just answer me this one question. One, one more thank question, you. Kari. Uh, well, no, I've already told you we're done. Thank well, you so much. Just... That guy's a complete nut. Seriously, a complete insane person. That guy's a complete nut. Seriously, a complete insane person. I agree. Again, we'll talk to Carrie coming up. Big, big things about to happen on this show. Norm's Nuggets. Esteemed mayor on 3 o'clock every afternoon here. My dear friend Rudy Giuliani. 9.05, we're going to talk to Anna Delpus. She's running in that big, big city council race up against Ari Kagan in our efforts to replace Justin Brannon in Brooklyn. We're also going to talk to Steve Maglio, who performs every Saturday night at the Carnegie Club. He's going to be at the Cutting Room tomorrow night. And the aforementioned Carrie Lake coming up at 9.25. Keep it right here, folks. The Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. These are stupid people. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor 
and the, the, the delegation to huh. make sure that we get this fixed quick, that? fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. What? Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the infraction infra- 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 uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. See, I really believe that based on that audio alone, that the people of Pennsylvania should forfeit their right to vote. I don't care whether you hated Dr. Oz or not. Dr. Oz can say infrastructure. Dr. Oz can say delegation. Dr. Oz is a pretty bright guy. This guy, John Fetterman, I know he's had some medical issues, a stroke. He's also stupid, mind you. This guy can't get through a sentence, and the people of Pennsylvania voted this guy in. He's a senator, and he's standing there. Joe Biden kicked off his 2024 presidential campaign in the city of brotherly hate, Philadelphia, where they boo Michael, or they cheer, I should say, when Michael Irvin is laying motionless on the turf against the Eagles, and they boo Santa Claus and Mike Schmidt, those morons. They're standing there together, Biden and Fetterman, and one is worse than the other. Lewis, we got to take away the right to vote from the people in Pennsylvania, no? He promised to have an infrastructure week. For four <laughs> years, he promised infrastructure. See, they're like brothers. That's Biden. Fetterman and Biden. These are the Democrats. And yet, Noam Layden, about to deliver his daily Noam Nuggets, which is a great segment to his credit, he is still a proud Democrat. You know, Mike Schmidt, i probably boo Mike Schmidt. You're talking about Mike Schmidt, the third baseman no, from no, the Philadelphia you, Phillies? You would boo Mike Schmidt if you lived in a competing town, not in Philadelphia. That's ah, like I Yankee gotcha. fans booing Derek Jeter, those right. idiots. So, yeah, they booed Mike Schmidt at home. They booed Santa Claus, and they cheered when, the, when Michael Irvin laid motionless on the turf and the players came out to pray, and the announcers were actually nervous. He got paralyzed. And the Eagle fans were hysterical and cheer. This all happened, like, more than 30 years ago. Okay, how about 10 years ago, and there was a prison in the stadium? Uh, <laughs> that was yeah. way more than 10 no, years ago. No, no 10 years ago. Dude. 10 years ago at the old Veterans Stadium. They, well, they, maybe 15. What, what about the guy who urinated <laughs> in front I of the window? Window. Shut Shut up. Let's, let's at least yeah, know how old Lincoln Financial Field is if we're going to make a statement like Shut up, Alec. Every time a Ranger fan shows up to buy a cheesesteak at Geno's or Patsy's, he gets punched across the face. Every time. Yeah, because both of those cheesesteaks suck. Whatever. You suck. Like You shouldn't be eating there. That's what happened. You suck. You and, and Fetterman. And there's the fan. I know. Too. Right. That's, the, right. that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, what are you doing? Do we need a Geno's or Pats? God. You know, I was at a Giants-Eagles games in Philly, right? Yeah. And uh, the Giants were winning like uh, 33 to nothing in the third yeah. quarter. Yeah. And we had these great seats up front. And I was wearing a Giants jersey, you know. And the security came down the aisle in the third quarter. And they said, you better leave the stadium now. This wasn't that long ago. Oh, well, worse said, why? Me. And he said, because you'll get the living daylights kicked, kicked out, out of you, you and right. I can't promise you that I can protect you. No, it's true. Uh, so I, mean, I thought they were kidding. But no, they're not kidding. I, they weren't. <laughs> Go read my book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly. There's a whole chapter. This is my book I wrote in 2010 on Philadelphia fans. We were there at a giant eagle game, and the Eagles were killing us. We were 10-1. and one. We were like the best team in football, and we couldn't stop Randall Cunningham. The Eagles were killing us. He was good. And I'm there with my father. It's a true story. The Eagle fans turned our car over. 
Come on. I, it's in the book. Go read the book. Carton knows it. Francesa knows it. Russo knows oh, it. True awesome. story. And by the way, called my father a C-word the whole way. He was wearing like an LT jersey or something. They were out there eating egg sandwiches and getting drunk at 730 in the morning for a 1 o'clock kickoff. They're low lives. You think all of a sudden because they went to a different stadium, they're better people? And then you got people like John Fetterman? John Fetterman? Come on. He doesn't speak for us. He doesn't speak he really speaks, at all. He speaks for all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of stroke, God. That's funny. Well done. Uh, no, Job out of you, Jelly. He'd, he'd be a good Eagles fan, I'm sure. Jelly from downtown. Hey, hey, spit on him. <laughs> no, what do you got today, brother? You know, I was lying in bed this morning. My alarm goes off. This is like 2.15. And uh, my beautiful, lovely dog, Bailey, my cockapoo, who I love like a child. You know, that's the name of Corey Zelnick's daughter. Oh, really? Bailey, yes. I'm assuming she's just as attractive as my as my dog. <laughs> I'm hoping she's cuter to be honest. <laughs> she's a very cute girl. Yeah. Well, so the dog, you know, I you know gives me a morning kiss essentially more than my wife and kids do. I love this dog, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's time to get up, but it's like a nice way to wake up. And I and and then I thought this for is a bordering moment, on bestiality. Just yeah, so you know, no, you're getting close. I'm not going that direction. <laughs> okay. And then I had that moment of horror of what took place in Central Park over the city. I don't know if you heard about this, Sid, but this awful story, this couple, they're walking their German Shepherd pit bull mix. His name is Eli, and uh, they're walking him through Central Park, 106 and 5th Avenue, and one of these jerks, I'm sure you've run into them when you used to have a dog, who walks around with pit bulls off the leash in the park. No good. Comes up to them, right? Oh, my God. So the pit bull starts messing around with this German shepherd. And uh, the owner, his name uh, is Brian, goes to pull this dog off of his dog because this dopey owner with the pit bulls and no leashes is doing nothing about it. So here's Brian detailing what happened in this god-awful incident Central Park over the weekend. One of his dogs tried to bite my little one, and he tried to tell me that it's okay. And I tried to talk sense into him. I kicked one of the dogs off my dog at one point, but then he took out a knife and started carving. And my dog growled, and he, 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 he stuck him. You know, he stuck him, and, and, you know, I was helpless at that, that time. In this German Shepherd lying on the ground, Sid, it bleeds out on the sidewalk oh in God. Central Park. He died? Uh, yeah, so they, mm. the one guy rushes after this creep, this jerk, this mm. putz, this murderer, and they don't catch up with him. Mm. And he's walking with three pit bulls, so you're a little nervous about going home because they have no leash on. The other, the wife, rushes this dog to the vet, but this guy had stabbed him so many times that uh, he could not be saved, and they put him down. And uh, so far, they cannot find this jerk. Other people, by the way, in the park had run into this guy with the uh, pit bull. So the problem is, is you call people, the cops or whatever, you know, it's not first priority to come after some guy who has dogs off the leash, even though you know and maybe pit bulls are unfairly singled out. But uh, when you see someone with pit bulls, I know in my neighborhood, I cross the other side of the street because a lot of times those people with yeah. pit bulls, they have like a chain on them, yeah. you know, like yeah. a thick chain. Well, they're like drug dealers, and yeah. uh, they use the dogs uh, like guns, basically, you know. 
Um, I mean, I've been yelled at for years that pit bulls are like every other dog. Yeah, right. If you raise them nicely, <laughs> right. they're going to be like every other dog. Uh, you know, they, they try to make the argument that there's not, they're not born angry like right. children. That they, you know, get, it's nonsense. They're born angry. It goes before that, though. If the if their dog is off a leash, doesn't matter what the breed is, they always come running up. Oh, it's okay. Right. He's fine. He's nice. He's not going to do anything. Meanwhile, is chasing your dog, which could be smaller, and they don't get it. You gotta you gotta put a leash on your dog, stupid. You're not alone in the world. That's just just it. Oh no, he's fine. He, he your you, your kid can pet him. It's fine. And the next thing you know, they they lost an arm. Yes. Yeah. Every, <laughs> every stupid dog owner is the same thing. The I same know. thing. Yeah. Their yeah. dog is fine. You are the problem. I know. Right. <laughs> That's it. I know. And, and, and this, these are dangerous dogs. I mean, yeah. It's just a bunch no. of idiot, irresponsible people. That's no. all that's going on. Idiots. And you can imagine being in the scene. This guy has taken a switchblade out, right? He's got a switchblade on him, and he stabs a dog. I mean, what kind of sicko would do that? The dog was not in any danger. There's um, people in the park. They say they know this guy. We've known Eli for nine years and Sadie. Uh, they were good friends with my dog, Biscuit. We just had a daughter, and, you know, we walk our dog a couple times here a week, so it's pretty scary to hear that. They need more police presence over here, to be honest. You don't really see them up here too much, the cops. Yeah, again, the police are busy, man. They got bigger crimes to, you know, to the go boys, after. Boys. Um, but can you imagine, in that moment, mm. I thought... I would, uh, I would, you know, I look at my dog as like another member of my family. I would murder this guy. Yeah, I, I would so. chase him down yeah, and take too. that switch. You murdered your him. dog. It's murder. I, I agree. And the crazy part about this story, Sid, is there's great pictures of this guy, and the NYPD is fantastic. They'll catch up with him. It's not just a matter of time. Yeah. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But they will catch up with this guy. And he'll be slapped on the hand. Nothing will happen Nothing. to him. He no. murdered a dog. He should go to jail for no. murdering a dog, but he will not. He'll be out in 10 minutes. 10 minutes. No, that's a terrible story. Yeah. Well, sometimes they got to be terrible stories. But yeah. that's it. It's, you know, uh, again, who walks around without the dog on a leash? Especially a pit bull. I'm sorry. Stupid <laughs> people who don't care. Yeah. They don't care about you. Do you, believe, do, you, do you believe pit bulls are, are born angry or that they're just... No, they're just a different breed. There's a, there's a reason why they're a different breed and why certain people want them. When you want to protect your home or if you're in the country, what do you get? You don't get a poodle. Right. Yeah. You know, you get like German Shepherds, Doberman Pinschers, the ones that will attack on command. Right. My, 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 my wife for. feels like the uh, little dogs are actually uh, more ready to fight than pit bulls That's and Doberman true. Pinschers. Uh, my, it's like people with Napoleon, Napoleonic yeah. complexes, I guess. Napoleon complex. I, I had I had a neighbor when I lived in Hoboken in a condo complex, and yeah. they, she had three pit bulls, and they she'd walk them around like, oh, they're the sweetest dogs ever. Yeah. They turned on her, and they attacked of her. Of course. And police had to come in, and they had to shoot one of the dogs. It happens because all she was the in time. so much danger. I don't care what Daniel anybody else says. I, I, I've done these stories in 20 years in New York all the time where the pit bull turns on its own owner all the time. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. So I'm going to maintain that those dogs, you can raise them with love, and, and that's great. But they tend, maybe how about this? They tend to get angrier quicker, and when they do, someone's going to die. That doesn't sound like a fun dog to me. No. <laughs> Sorry. You're a threat. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Right. I mean, all the time I've seen these stories. 
where they actually turn on him. But. And in, in the meantime, let's find my, my, my wife jerk. was telling me Lucy was a pit bull. She was 10% pit bull. She was 90% poodle. What pit bull? She did growl. She made me nervous. She was 90% uh, poodle. Let's, she wasn't. Let's find this jerk, though, and put him in jail. The guy oh. who murdered a dog. He murdered a dog. He murder. should go to jail. I agree it's with murder. you. It's murder. murder. Abs- absolutely. So come on. Absolutely. Well, oh. well done again, Noam. Hopefully you got people on the streets now. People love their animals, uh, obviously, especially dogs. So maybe you fight up a bunch of folks. Maybe get some guardian angels out there and find this guy. Well done, Noam. Thank you very much. Sure. All right. We got uh, a lot more to come, including esteemed Mayor Rudy Giuliani. He's coming up at 840. We're going to talk to Anna Delfaus. Once again, she's running against Ari Kagan, Republican primary. Hopefully one of those two beats Justin Brannon in Brooklyn coming up. City Council race, the primary a week from today. We're also going to talk to Steve Maglia. Very, very good performer. Great, in fact. He performs at the Carnegie Club every Saturday. He'll be at the Cutting Room tomorrow. Does a great Sinatra, like Joe Piscopo. And the big one, former, uh, she actually ran for governor in Arizona. She believes it was stolen from her. One of Donald Trump's favorites, Carrie Lake, makes her debut on this program. Coming up at 925. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. 30 something years ago, I woke up out of my sleep in a cold sweat. God spoke to my heart and said, You are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. And the message was God stated, You cannot be silent. You must tell everyone you know. Because it's a Judges 7, verse 2 through 7 moment. Because when you win the battle, I don't want you to think that you won on your own. And I don't want people to think that you won because of you who you are. That's a uh, real tape, by the way, folks. That's not an SNL bit. That's not a, a takeoff of Mayor Eric Adams. He actually said that at some church, I believe, on Father's Day, that God called him 30 years ago and said, 2022, you'd be mayor. And to quote Joe Biden, after meeting with the, uh, making sure that the AD in Ukraine got fired, well, son of a bitch, it happened. So what I was thinking was, being that every mayor in this city aspires to be Rudy Giuliani, the greatest mayor of all time, and no one will ever come close. He's also on the station every day at 3 o'clock, but greatest mayor ever. If God called Eric Adams, I can't imagine who called Rudy Giuliani. Or maybe, just maybe, Rudy decided to do it himself. We're going to find out right now. Because here he is, my friend Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, did uh, did God reach out to you too? Or <laughs> I can't believe you're asking me this question. I can't believe what he said. Uh, first of all, I should point out that by and large, God has spoken through angels. 
Remember? Yes. I mean, I think Moses got direct communication from God and Jesus. Right. But, but those of us who aren't Moses or Jesus have to rely on angels like Gabriel. Even the My Book son. of Mormon was dictated by angels. Right. So, I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> I feel very inferior this morning. I really do. I mean, you made me feel very bad. Well, I'm Adam, sorry. Oh. Yeah. He's got that I one. Think, yeah. I think I got a call from Guy Molinari. <laughs> I think that was my, my call was a guy who told me I had to run for mayor That's funny, guy because the city was in such bad shape. And I prayed a lot. I, I asked him, you know, a couple of times I asked him if I was going to win. He didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a bit, all kidding aside. And you know, Rudy, you know that I've made a lot of people angry at this station around town because. Not me. No, I know. Not, not you. I know. I know. But I decided I was going to befriend Eric Adams. And to his credit, he has befriended me, dinners, lunches, text messages, phone conversations, Dinner. all that. And, and I've tried. I've really, really tried uh, to kind of help him and, and, and understand where he's coming from. But I have to tell you, I am going sideways because I am just not seeing the results. Another brutal subway weekend, more and more people dying, more and more people leaving. I'm not seeing what Eric Adams is trying to convince New Yorkers is really going on. Are you? No. No, no. In some ways, uh, you know, it, you know, de Blasio was the worst mayor. There are improvements. When you look below the surface, you can see improvements. But he he buries the improvements with uh, he does exactly the opposite of what I recommend in my book. He overpromises and underdelivers. Uh, he he sounds like he's very brave. He's going to stand up to the legislature. Da, 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 da. Then he doesn't. Right? Then he caves. Uh, he's going to stand up to the unions. Right? was one of the biggest mayoral cave into the union I've ever seen. John Lindsay did better. Uh, but he, he, unlike de Blasio, we knew what we were getting. In his case, there's a great deal of buyer's remorse. I mean, even I think you have a little of that, although, you know, I, I think you do. And I well, do. look, I, but I, wouldn't, look I, I voted for Curtis Sliwa, but I've got remorse in that. I've started to trust him. But as we said this no. morning, how about this? Bill de Blasio, lazy Eric Adams, crazy. That rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a type. He's a political type that can't stand up to the political pressure or, or let, his ambitions, let his ambitions get in his way. Uh, uh, this is a, just my own psychological assessment that might be worthless. But I think he has higher ambitions. He does not want to irritate the Democratic Party. So when he talks brave and then it falls into an area that the Democratic Party doesn't allow you to say or believe, he caves in. And uh, a little bit uh, a little bit Andrew Cuomo's problem, too. And he's never he's never going to be a successful mayor if he does that. He'll constantly his results will belie all his boasting. Yeah. And uh, it's a terrible thing because, you know, there's some hope with him. I agree. There was, yeah. There's hope. With him. He, he can think and figure out the right thing to do. Not all the time, but very often. Yes. But then, then you, know where, you, know, you know where he really lost me was the uh, – here's an example of where he caved, okay? Forgetting about the – you're right, the legislator. The legislator, I should say, he never really, really, really calls out Kathy Hochul. In fact, uh, he compliments her. He never really calls out Andrew Stewart, Cousins, or Carl Heasty. But here's where he kind of lost me. 
the uh, my friend uh, Thomas Kniff, his client Daniel Penny, the hero Marine. I'll say it again: the hero Marine who saved yeah, the day, yeah. and unfortunately right. Jordan nearly died. Eric Adams comes out, unlike the rest of these politicians, and goes, "Wait, slow down." You know, because Sharpton, give him the electric chair. Hochul, give him the slow down. Let's see the facts. And then yeah, right. they get to him, and then it's like, hey, man, that could have been my son, black man on the train. Again, the black man stuff. He's got to stop with the race stuff. Yeah, you know, I praised him immediately when he did that. I try, I try hard when he does something right, because I do criticize him a lot. I try hard when he does something right to praise him. But half the time he takes it away. Right. I mean, right. I praise him for two days, and then I look like a jerk. <laughs> I get people to call me and say, "What's you praise him for?" Right? Didn't you know? Aren't aren't you experienced enough now? I mean, I thought it, I I said he did exactly what a mayor is supposed to do in a situation like that. He he uh, sort of gave Penny's side of it, but he didn't come to a conclusion. He said exactly what he should have said: that the system will decide. I mean, in a situation with a police killing or a controversial killing. Unless it's clear as hell, the job of the mayor is to calm the city down and, and, and put their sights on the judicial system and say, hey, let's have no reaction now. There's nothing to react to. Nothing's happened. This is what we have this system for. They're going to decide innocent, guilty. If you don't like the result and you want to get angry, then we'll deal with it. But at least give us a chance. So uh, he did that and more. Did it just right. And then it goes into the whole racial craziness of the last no. 30 years he, he evokes it you know the, yeah. the whole sharpton language and it's a tragedy it it's is a tragedy but it's, yeah. it's even what's like my mother used to say to me when she didn't like my grades she used to say to me if you were dumb i wouldn't care but you're smart mm-hmm. and you're capable of getting good right grades, so right i love that <laughs> i know that's a great analogy with eric this is of course the great mayor rudy giuliani on three o'clock every weekday afternoon in my lifetime the greatest politician I've ever seen at any level, city, state, federal, I don't care. But uh, you know what else was pretty good? Not as good as you, but pretty damn no, good. And, you're, and you're, you, you got this one right, and, and you did the right thing. Thank you. You should, Thank try, you. To help Thank you. You, Thank you you. should try to help your city. And the amazing thing is, I think a lot of people were afraid when you did it you were going to get snowed. So a lot of times when somebody gets involved with a politician, the politician sort of, you know, takes them over. No, nah, you me. did a good job of keeping you. your objectivity. Yeah. By the way, no, by the way, I, I, I'm the one who uh, I'm the one who paid for dinner. He's not taking me over. Uh, <laughs> but I want to talk to you about your friend Donald Trump. He uh, spoke for the first time since his indictment with Brett Baer, who I don't like very much, on uh, Fox News last night. He's talented, Brett, but I never I never know what side of the aisle he's on. And he gave uh, Trump a pretty hard time about the, the documents and the boxes. And Trump said, hold on a second. What about Biden? What about Pence? What about yeah, Obama? Is he right, Rudy? He's, of course he's right. I mean, you can't, you can't uh, judge this case in a vacuum. First of all, precedent is part of the law. It isn't as if Trump is making this up. This started about 1,000 years ago in England. Uh, we compare one case to another. In fact, in England, they don't even have written laws. Uh, they didn't have written laws for the longest time. It was just the opinion of courts. You went back to an opinion. Like in this particular case, if we were in 12th century England, they would say, how did we handle the uh, Hillary Clinton case? Oh, well, she destroyed the 33,000 documents, but we decided it wasn't serious enough to prosecute. Oh, my goodness, then we can't prosecute him uh, because this is so much different and so much less. Right. And we'll have a real revolution here. There'll be a sense of unfairness. So what he's arguing for has a great deal of wisdom. It's the way people evaluate law for centuries. 
And what it turns out is, are you a country where we have a roughly equal system, or are we a fascist country in which the ruling party can get away with anything, and the other party gets prosecuted for everything? And that's where we are. And I think every time he points out that they've indicted him for something far less than Hillary Clinton did, and I would argue less than Biden did, because Biden had no reason to take those documents. And second, he put them in the hands of our adversaries. Every place he put them, the Chinese have access to. People miss that. Chinatown, the two institutes he put, put them in, China funds, and his garage, a Chinese operative passed there every single day. His name is Hunter Biden. And he was in partnership <laughs> with the chief spy of China right. when he passed those documents. Now, who the hell would get away with that? Those are great points. <laughs> I mean, and that's exactly right. That's what we're talking about here. That's why when they use the word, Rudy, espionage in this case, and Adam Dershowitz has said this a million times, it is not. it doesn't work at all. Not at all. No, it's a, it's a word that's in the statute if, in fact, there's jeopardy that, that, that Russia or China or Cuba, there's not, none of that here. I mean, there's no evidence of any kind suggesting that it got outside of Mar-a-Lago in any way. So that's one kind of a civil violation. And also, there's a real question, was he operating under the Presidential Records Act, which has civil penalties, and Congress particularly didn't put criminal penalties in because they know how complicated this is with a president. I mean, the guy is trying to separate his life, his personal records from his I had somebody do it for me, and I, it doesn't have the same consequences as the mayor because we don't have classified information. But uh, if there were mistakes made, I might have – how do I know? I All mean, right. I, I had All somebody right. do it for me. Sure. I, I said separate anything government, put it on that side, and I actually had it digitized. You, you can go to uh, the Manhattan Institute or other places. You can go online, and you can put a name in, and it will tell you every record I have about it. I'm the only mayor who ever did that. I want to close with because this. I'm not afraid. I'm right. not afraid. Go. Right. I, I want you to find out what right. I'm doing. Of course, of course. I'm not hiding. Yeah. <laughs> I want to close with this in the final 60 to, uh, seconds to two minutes, Rudy. The great Rudy Giuliani. Uh, our friend Peter King was in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks, well, a couple of weeks ago, recently. And, uh, they were having some type of hearing and they were talking about some of the security issues, some of the wars, things going on around the world that can hurt us. And Peter King went with one thing in mind, and that is that he doesn't believe that this administration takes ISIS, Al-Qaeda, that group, very seriously. 9-11 this year will be 22 years removed from that tragic day, and he believes that we have become very complacent on the real possibility of another terrorist attack, maybe even here oh. in New York. How do you feel? Well, Peter is 100% right. Now, Peter was probably the best head of the Homeland Security Committee we ever had just because of his diligence and his background and his connection to law enforcement, although McCall was terrific, too. And uh, he's absolutely right. I mean, just think about any single person walking over that border can be a terrorist, and we wouldn't know because we don't check them. And if you were running a terrorist group, Sid, wouldn't you take advantage of that? Yes. I, I mean, I think they fire you as the head of the terrorist group if you didn't. <laughs> Right. They're walking in in the thousands. We only want to put in about a hundred. We can't slip a hundred people in with all those characters, and we are and we are catching more terrorists than ever before. 
which means we're missing more terrorists than ever before. For every person we catch, there are at least 50% we don't catch. Some people think 100%. In other words, if we catch 2,000, 2,000 probably got through without our seeing them. And you can know the terrorists are going to err on that side of the equation, right? They're going to get the they're going to get the cartels to help them get in without being seen. And uh, the cartels run entry into the United States. It's almost a, a system. So who are they going to put here? Good people? <laughs> they'll, let, yeah. they'll let good people go through as a camouflage. Right. Because they want to slip in the people they make them money with. Scary. Hey, uh, you're the best, whether it's 3 o'clock yeah. every afternoon, the job you did as mayor. I want to wish you, I know it's uh, a couple of days later, but a happy Father's Day. Great father you, you are. Thank you. And thank you God for coming on, Rudy. I love you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. You know, I love you, too. Thank you, Rudy. There he is, everybody. The great mayor, of course, does a tremendous job 3 o'clock every afternoon. He's such a terrific guy. Rudy Giuliani. That sets up. The final hour, hour number four, with three great guests, including making her debut on Sid and Friends in the morning, former gubernatorial candidate from the great state of Arizona, Carrie Lake. You're going to want to hear this. Keep it right here. Hour four is next. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. songs. I bring this up every time. One of my favorite movies of all time is Adam Sandler's 51st Dates. I love that movie. Love it. Him and uh, Drew Barrymore, they, they use this song in that movie quite a bit. Today's Brian Wilson's birthday. We've been celebrating all morning long. Two huge birthdays, Lionel Richie and Brian Wilson. Wouldn't it be nice? I know you guys don't love that movie. You're probably like uh, something stupid like... Uh, Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore, one of those moronic movies. But this one, 51st Dates, that was a great movie. And Drew Barrymore was terrific. Anyway, it is uh, 10 after 9 on your, this today, Tuesday. Oh, God. Carrie Lake, she lost the gubernatorial in the state of Arizona. Who knows? Maybe she'll run for Senate. She's waiting for God to call her like he called Mayor Eric Adams. She's going to join us next, make her debut coming up at 925. And Steve Maglio, who performs every Saturday night at the Carnegie Club, has a big show coming up tomorrow night at the Cutting Room and is a very well-known Frank Sinatra singer, you know, like Mike Martucci, Joe Piscopo. He's going to join me at 940. But we talked about this lady quite a bit yesterday. We're now a week away from the city council races. I want to remind you, that uh, in my gym, the YMCA in Rockaway, you can vote there. And uh, I went back yesterday. This is now three days, which I think is a pretty good barometer. Three days I've been to that gym, 
and, like, no one's voting. Nobody. I don't get it. City council plays a major role. A guy like Justin Brannon, he's a killer. I've known Justin 23 years when I was hosting mornings at WNEW and he was working on the Opie and Anthony show. I used to like him. He's a killer. Like, these are really important races, and no one's showing up. we got to get the right people in. The right people are Republicans. So I know that Curtis Sliwa is endorsing Ari Kagan, who I did meet at Gracie Mansion a couple of weeks ago, and he was very, very nice. But both Peter King and Inna Vernikov, they were on the show yesterday, they're endorsing Anna Delphus. So we're going to talk to Anna right now, find out what's going on. Anna, good morning. Welcome to Sid and Friends in the Morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm so glad to be on. Thank you. Nice to have you. You come, uh, again, highly recommended by two people I love dearly, Peter and uh, and Inna. What is your relationship uh, with them? We'll start there, then we'll talk about your specifics in your race. So Congressman King and I have known each other for a few years now, about Ten years ago, I started a, a social media movement called Thank You NYPD because the media was absolutely slamming law enforcement at the time. That's when the whole, like, negative rhetoric around law enforcement really started to unravel under de Blasio. And uh, during the riots, I was doing uh, Back the Blue rallies. I was visiting precincts, and I had called Congressman King's office hoping to get him to speak at a rally I had out at Eisenhower Park, which we had about, I think, 6,000 people show up, and Nassau PD had to turn away an additional 5,000 people because there was no parking left within the park. It was an immense turnout. And to my surprise, Congressman King was like, I'm on board. I'm coming to speak. And I happened to have, uh, yeah, Congressman King came out, no hesitation. And Congressman uh, Lee Zeldin was also there as well. So it was a phenomenal turnout. So from there, uh, Congressman King came to some of the visits with me. We, I was delivering food to precincts with the line of duty families. Retired Chief of Transit Joe Fox uh, came along with us to deliver words of hope to the officers, letting them know, hey, listen, this everyday citizen of New York City really does have your back. And uh, Congressman King played a, a big role in, in those uh, visits to the precincts. So I'm, I'm grateful for him. And since then, you know, we've just kept in contact and uh, maintained a friendship. Yeah, no, he really likes it. And uh, Inna Vernikov, uh, I do want to add this, uh, somebody I really respect and love, Jennifer Harrison, who, of course, has the Victims' Rights New York group. She uh, texted and said, I know I'm not Peter King or Inna, but we're also endorsing <laughs> Anna. you got lots of fans all over the uh, the state. How did you become friendly with uh, Inna Vernikov? So, Inna, I met her when she was actually running for council, and I immediately knew that this woman was going to be a force that nobody was going to be able to take down. She is just focused and level-headed and intelligent, and I was just like, wow, this is this is someone I could definitely, you know, uh, work alongside. I, I appreciate her work ethic, and, you know, it's, we just we began talking. I think it was a, a flag-raising event in Bay Ridge a couple years back, and uh, that, that was it. It just it. unfolded yeah. from there as well. Now, have you been, Anna Delphus, joining me this morning running for uh, city council? Is it District 47? I'm not sure. Yeah, so what they did was there was a big uh, redistricting this year. They redid the lines uh, very drastically in certain parts of the city, and uh, South Brooklyn was definitely one of the places that was completely rearranged. So now 
it used to be the old District 43. Now it's District 47. Right. And yep. it consists of uh, Bay Ridge, a little bit of Diker, Bath Beach, Coney Island, and Seagate. So basically oh. down the the whole, yeah. I love all those place. neighborhoods. My dad uh, grew up on Surf Avenue. I went to Poly Prep on Bay 8th Street, Diker Heights. So I know all those areas very, very well. Love those areas. Have you been a Republican your whole life? I have been a Republican since I first registered to vote. I have always voted either on the Republican or conservative lines. I, you know, I, I firmly believe, I, I stand with what I believe in, and there's been nothing, you know, to, to, to sway me to think otherwise. Of course, people grow, people change, but when it comes to real firm core values and, and morals, there's, there's nothing to, to take yeah. me away from No, I, I, I ask you that because the guy you have to beat and uh, Curtis tells me that Nicole Maliotakis is also endorsing Ari Kagan along with Curtis Lewa. Uh So thank you for that, Curtis. Uh, the guy you have to beat, Ari Kagan, he was a Democrat. Now, I don't care. I've got a uh, cousin, for example, who was the mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota for eight years. He was a Democrat. And then he went on to become a senator from the great state of Minnesota, and he became a Republican and a good friend of Bush, and he's a big deal, my cousin Norm Coleman. So he did switch parties. Many people, including um, somebody told us yesterday they switched parties. So I'm not going to hold that against him, but but he did switch. Are you holding that against him? So it's one thing to switch from Democrat to Republican. It's another thing to be uh, a communist and switch to Republican. You know, that's a very drastic you say, change. Did you say a communist? Well, you know, if you, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. Okay. And, you know, uh, there's there's evidence, obviously, to support that. I'm not making any false claims. Well, you, but you're going to ha- have to give us at least one piece of evidence. That's a strong statement. I don't care if you say it, but you got to give me at least one piece of evidence. I mean, you know, the Internet is everybody's friend. You can very easily look it up. If you, you know, type in Ari Kagan and communism, you'll see a slew of, of evidence. Um, listen, Ari Kagan worked under Mark Traeger, a uh, former city council person, who Traeger, uh, he was the chief of staff, and Traeger was directly involved in writing the police legislation, which I don't know how you go from wanting to defund the police to waking up the next morning and say, I love the cops, I've always supported the cops. I have a problem with that. You know, I've... The work that I put in with the NYPD voluntarily, mind you, my, my, my movement with Thank You NYPD has been completely voluntary for the last 10 years. I'm not a candidate that wakes up one morning and says, I support law enforcement. I, I put my money where my mouth is, and I, I've been proving it for 10 years. So, you know, it's very easy to say things that sound nice, but I want evidence. I want to see what you've done. Well, now I'm surprised that people like, I mean, Curtis has devoted his whole life to protecting New Yorkers, 40 years. He's a true hero. Nicole is huge with the cops. I'm a little surprised they'd be supporting, endorsing somebody who you say in their history was close to somebody who wanted to deep on the police. Now, if that's true, that's another big deal for you, and uh, that's that's only going to help your cause. Where are you right now? What are you hearing on the streets with your primary one week away? So I... With the support that I have is coming from actual real people on the ground. I the constituents are behind me a hundred percent. They they're not looking at any of these endorsements. They're looking at me as a person, as a candidate. They're not worried about what other people are saying because they know how the political game works. They've had a chance to meet me. They've had a chance to to research me. I tell you know the one thing I say is. It's so, it's amazing to have a primary. As stressful as it's been, I think it's a it's a great thing that 
constituents and the people on the ground actually have options. Do yeah. your research. Look it up. Yeah. See what you think works best with what, you know, you feel. And I, I know I'm not worried. Well, I know, I know your husband also plays a major role in your campaign, right? Of course. And was I your husband was your husband a cop or something? What did he do? No, no, no. My husband is not involved in law enforcement. He has he's a project manager. He's okay. no way involved in law enforcement. But you know, my campaign has always been about family because I'm raising three kids in this city and if I can't keep my house in order and I can't nurture my own household, I can't go out and take care of my city. So for me, showing people that this is not a family effort, but it's a joint effort that there's, you know, we all agree that there is one direction to go, and that's forward in a positive way to support law enforcement, to restore education. I think that's what my, the basis of my campaign truly is. Yeah. Oh, that's important. Trust me. I've got two kids and one's in college now, but we certainly have experienced some of the downfalls of education in New York. We're excited to move back to New York from Florida. We were told the education was better here. And I can tell you it's not. All right, so, look, uh, your race is next week against Ari. Comes up a week from today. And obviously the better person will win. But do you agree at least no matter who wins next Tuesday, no matter who wins, that person has to beat Justin Brannon or we're all in big trouble? I think that whoever wins needs to beat Justin Brennan, of course. But I hope that whoever wins sticks true to the Republican line. And it's not just a way to maintain a position in government and, you know, for, like, self-promotion. I hope a true Republican wins, and I hope that they are able to make a dent in an obviously overwhelming Democrat city uh, council. So I'm praying whoever wins does take out Brandon and, and stick to the Republican. Last one. Uh, I met Ari Kagan. I told you at Gracie Mansion. Mayor Eric Adams was holding a party. It was the end of Jewish Heritage Month. I'm Jewish, me and my wife. We were proud to be there. And I became friendly with Eric over the last couple of months, although I'm not happy with the job he's been doing as of late. If the mayor invited you, you're a Republican, would you show up and speak like Ari Kagan did, or would you very nicely decline? Listen, of course I would show up and speak. You know, you have to honor the, you have to honor the office. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that. It, it's, it's always a privilege to be uh, in the presence of the mayor, of the president, regardless of who it may be. Mm-hmm. Now, do I agree with, you know, Mayor Adams and all the decisions he makes? No, but that's not, I'm not the mayor. He's the mayor. Right now, my only voice is to vote or to run for office. So, of course, if he's going to invite me, I have to respect that. And it's a way for me to get out my voice further. So I would not decline that. Good. Good answer. Well, listen, uh, we wish you the best of luck next Tuesday. It was nice talking to you today. I think you sounded great. I think you're doing a terrific job. And now the people will decide whether it's you or Kagan. But I do wish you the best of luck, Anna. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Sid. I appreciate it. All right. God bless you and your family. There she is, Anna Delphus, running against Ari Kagan a week from today. The City Council, District 47, that primary with the right to take on Justin Brennan coming up, of course, in November. All right. When we come back, she lost the gubernatorial race in Arizona, although she doesn't think so. Senate next. Harry Lake next on Sitting Friends in the Morning.
77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. If you would have told me two years ago, three years ago, that I would be in the middle of a political movement, I would have said, put down Hunter's crack pipe. Right now. <laughs> Eighty-one million million votes, my ass. I want to hear more of this. Eighty-one million votes, my ass. Pissed off and already pissed off a little bit. Eighty-one million votes, my ass. How <laughs> do you not love this lady? The crime was committed in yeah. broad daylight. Damn right. You tell me, Carrie. Carrie ran for uh, governor in Arizona. I remember the first time uh, I went to Arizona. I was there for I think spring training, baseball, maybe the All Star game. I don't know. Somebody said to me, don't worry, it's dry heat, it's not bad. I landed in Scottsdale, it was like 115 degrees, it was hot as balls. I was like, let me tell you something, folks, hot is hot. Arizona's hot. But uh, Carrie Lake is red hot, running for a governor. And uh, what's funny is, she ran for governor, is moments ago, MSNBC, they were playing some of the Donald Trump, Brett Baer interview last night. And what are they stuck on all morning? That Donald Trump is still talking about this baseless fact that the election was stolen. And it was. And the same thing happened to Carrie Lake out in Arizona. Isn't that right, Carrie Lake? Welcome to the show. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good to be on, Sid. It's I love that how they ask him the question and then, you know, they ask him the question and they go, why would he talk about it? But that's all they ask about. Right, right. Which is great. They should be asking about it. We've got to reform our elections. We can't keep having these rigged elections. Well, for the folks that don't know, I mean, of course, you, you know, you became a big deal on the scene because, A, uh, you're brilliant, and, B, you're on our side, and, C, we're still a very, very shallow society, and you're good-looking. So uh, even guys in New York are like, hey, look at that girl. I'm being honest. <laughs> so, so when all that went down, what really happened in your state? Because you seemingly had an insurmountable lead, and then you lost. How'd that happen? Yeah, I mean, our, our internal polls, which are the good ones, showed us up 10 points, 11 points. I was running against, um, I mean, just envision a female John Fetterman, Joe Biden combo. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, who could not even <laughs> string a sentence together. I mean, she's practically incapable of speaking, wouldn't debate, hid in, you know, hid at home, never campaigned, didn't have a single policy. And, and we had the entire state excited about restoring our government and giving it back to we the people. And they knew they couldn't beat us uh, with a candidate because they have no ideas on the left. And so they, they simply rolled out an election day that was so fraught with corruption. They, the machines didn't work. On election day when our people showed up, the 60% of the machines were inoperable. at all. They put the bad machines at all the Republican polling places. And um, and basically rigged uh, and sabotaged Election Day. Not only that, they threw in hundreds of thousands of bogus ballots with uh, no signature verification, um, no chain of custody. They did what they did in 2020 with Trump, 
But they did it even more boldly right in front of our faces on Election Day. We had five and six hour lines. It was outrageous. And we're fighting it. We're still in the courts because we're not going to back down from the fight. Good. Keep fighting it. I like that. And then, you know, uh, like Trump supporters keep asking me, Carrie, they go, you know, there's really four states that may decide this next election. And quite frankly, your state is one of them. How do we know that Arizona is not going to do it again, what they did to Trump, what they did to Lake? And honestly, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Well, I mean, I I feel the same way, and that's why I'm fighting it. I had actual conservatives tell me, well, don't fight it. Don't go to court over this. Just run again. And I said, are you kidding? Why would I run in this corrupt system? So we're fighting it in court, and we're actually getting, you know, the the, uh, fake news will say we're getting no victories. But we're moving this thing through. We're revealing the corruption. And we may not have judges who are bold and courageous enough to act on this, but we're showing the people how it's done. And, and part of the part of the mission is to wake up the people as to how bad our elections are. So that's why I continue to fight it. We've appealed our case, and we're waiting for a date, a court date, and we're just not going to stop. So that's how we that's how we win. And I think eventually we'll get a judge who the pressure is so great, and a judge who knows that if we don't act now, we lose our country forever. So I was reading this uh, this morning. Uh, this is Carrie Lake, ran for governor in uh, in Arizona. She is a rising star. Trust me, she's got it all. And it reads like this, Carrie Lake, on indictment, quote, you will not lay a finger on President Trump. I'm going to read this. It goes, this is Carrie, if you want to get to President Trump, you're going to have to go through me and have to go through 75 million Americans just like me. You go on to say, um, that is not a threat. That's a public service announcement. We will not let you lay a finger on President Trump. Frankly, now is the time to cling to our guns and our religion. Just so you know, I'm a huge, huge advocate of the Second Amendment. But the, the left sees that, you know, MSNBC sees that, and they go, wow, this lady's only lying about her own election, but she gun crazy too. So I'm sure if you said that, you'd be getting a lot of hate mail, yes? Um, I'm, I'm constitution crazy. I love the constitution. (laughs) And as last I checked, we still have freedom of speech. I know it's clinging, you know, it's just barely hanging by a thread and we still have our second amendment. And I frankly think our second amendment is what's going to save our country. You know, the, the government is afraid of the people. That's how you want it. You don't want the people afraid of the government. And that's why they're trying to enact gun control. I know I'm speaking to a New York audience and they may not be, um, you know, as, Second Amendment, um, you know, fans. Let me, let me just tell, tell you this. All, all, all of my friends, they've got guns. <laughs> just so you know, you're in New York. My friends got guns. So you keep talking. You know, it's, fun, it's funny, Sid, that they, they attacked me for saying that. But when, um, you know, Jane Fonda goes on The View and literally calls for murder for people who are pro-life yeah. and pro-life activists, I thought, wow. And the media went silent on that. So it just shows you we're living in upside-down times, and that's why we're trying to bring attention to it. You know, the song you played earlier, we put that out. It's number one. It's it's hitting the top of three billboard charts. People are speaking with their money right now and saying, this is where we are. This is what we believe. And, and that's why I put my book out. I wanted to lay out what they did wrong in our election. I wanted to lay out how they stole it, but I also wanted to lay out how we take this America First movement, which is common sense, not radical, not extreme, like the left tries to, you know, uh, label us. We have actual common sense solutions that work for America. And I, I was on the campaign trail for 525 days. 
I'm telling you, these are the policies that hardworking, everyday Americans want. They want a secure border. They want safe streets. They want their kids to get a decent education with some actual skills so that when they leave high school, they're ready to take on a job. And, and frankly, they, they want to make sure we're not getting, uh, our kids aren't getting their hands on fentanyl and other deadly drugs. So I think America First policies are the only way out of the mess that this political elite has gotten us into. You mentioned the book, and the title is Unafraid, Just Getting Started, which should make the Democrats very afraid. Uh, the book is being released on June 27th. They've called you Trump in heels the most dangerous politician in America. And this one is going to piss off your friend Marjorie Taylor Greene. You have been called the MAGA queen. I would imagine you love all these, right? You're not upset about these. You love all these, right? (laughs) I love it. When one of the uh, liberals in the media called me Trump in heels, I think they thought I would be uh, upset by that. I said, are you kidding? That's a great compliment. I'll take it any day. Listen, I am uh, not just an advocate for and a supporter of President Trump. I think he's one of the greatest presidents in our history, and I believe he is the man for the moment so right now. If, so we, do if we don't get yep. him in office, yep. um, we're, heading, we're heading straight toward a globalist um, life and yep. world, and it's not going to look good for our kids. No, I agree. I'm, I'm, just a, yep. I'm a proponent of America First policies. They are the greatest policies, and I, I lay out how we take this movement forward. I hope President Trump is around forever and ever, but we also want to make sure – that this movement he started continues and goes on beyond president. No, I agree. If God is good to me, I'll be 57 next April. And in my lifetime, Carrie, I'm much older than you. Uh, Reagan was the greatest two-term president I've ever had, and Trump, the greatest one term. He needs that second term. We need him. I don't want to hear about DeSantis or Scott or a guy. God bless them all. We need uh, Trump back. But yet... Why are you admitting to me in this, uh, what's been a great conversation, Carrie, why are you admitting to me how much you love Donald Trump when some guy named Liam Bartlett on the Australian version of 60 Minutes said, your man, Donald Trump, you got pissed. (laughs) (laughs) You know why I got pissed? I thought it was disrespectful toward President Trump. I mean, who says that? You know, your man. It's like, yeah. you know, he's, he's our president, and I respect him. He did so many good things. I mean, can we just look at what he did for our country? We had safe streets. We had a secure border. I covered, you know, Arizona as a journalist, a broadcast journalist. I covered it for 27 years. That border was never more secure than under President Trump. And he had to fight tooth and nail to get every mile of that border wall built. And he had to fight his own party. He had to fight people like some of the guys who are running for office right now. They voted against the border wall, and that's unforgivable coming from an Arizona. We need that, and we need to finish that wall. And he brought us peace in the Middle East. He brought an end to war. He didn't start any new wars, and that's why they don't want him, because the war machine is a money machine. And I believe that when he says he'll end that Ukraine um, war with Russia in 24 hours, yeah. I think he might even end it sooner than that. And, and the reason being is because Joe Biden is stoking it by pouring our hard-earned treasure into that region to continue a war that's killing Ukra- innocent Ukrainians and doesn't need to be fought right now. You know, one of the only criticisms I have of Trump, nobody's perfect, I'm sorry. I always say even Vince Lombardi lost the game, you know. Even uh, maybe even Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling out in your state lost a game every now and then. Uh, my, my only criticism is what he said about uh, John McCain. And being you're an Arizona lady, John McCain, of course, from the great state of Arizona, I was very close with John and Cindy, loved him. 
And uh, Trump has never really apologized or taken that back. In fact, he's doubled down on that. Did you have a relationship with John McCain? What did you think when Trump said that about your state senator? Well, I have a whole chapter in the book on that, and I and I hope people will buy it because it's and I don't hold back. I covered President Trump and I covered John McCain, and I've known John McCain and the family for many years because as a journalist I covered them. And it's really interesting that John McCain, who has his flaws, he's a human being, and and really pushed some horrible policy and didn't do a ton for the people of Arizona, is somehow off limits to criticism. I've never seen any politician who you cannot criticize their policies, their votes, the decisions they made in politics, except for McCain. You bring up his name, and if it's not in, in just complete adoration, you get attacked for it. And I think that's unfair. I, I wasn't even hadn't even served. I was running, and I was ripped apart every day for absolutely nothing. It comes with the territory. Yeah, no, but but, 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 but kind of, when Trump comes out and and critiques his war record, where the guy was a legitimate hero in a POW, and Trump wouldn't go serve in a billion years, he does kind of come off cowardly. You got to admit that. Well, I will just say this. I do respect John McCain's service to our country. My, my uh, father was a veteran and my, uh, my uncle was a veteran. I, I respect all of our veterans, anybody who's willing to lay it on the line for our country. But what I, what I don't care for is the fact that you can't criticize what he did for the people of Arizona, which isn't much. He promised us for eight years. Yep. He promised us for eight years that he was going to uh, repeal, get rid of Obamacare. And when that fell squarely on his shoulders, he went in there and he, they were ready to repeal Obamacare and get us something better. And he put the thumbs down. Yeah. He promised for eight years, 10 years to build the wall. He never did it. And when Trump said, let's do it, he worked hard to stop Trump. He never did much for Arizona except come home every six months and run for reelection. And then he ignored us for five and a half years. And it was rinse and repeat. So I just don't know why somebody who uh, was in politics for 30 plus years is somehow given a a free pass on any criticism. That's fair. Of what he did. That's fair. He went to Ukraine and he helped destabilize that region. And you could you could even put some of the blame for what's happening over there on some of the actions of Senator then Senator John McCain. And with all that said, if John McCain would have called you instead of Sarah Palin, you would have gladly been his running mate. Yes. Well, I was in the midst of a career at the time. But, you know, Sid, you said something kind of interesting, and and I had it said many times in the campaign trail. Somebody would say, well, I like Trump, but what about this? And he's a little bit his Twitter feed, and what about that? And I would say, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could dial up the exact personality of, you know, everybody in our world so that it pleased us? But that's just not how it works. Right. And to be honest, just as we needed Ronald Reagan when he came on the scene and, and became president in 1980, um, when I was 10, and I'll never forget when he won, how excited I was as a 10-year-old. Um, we needed a guy with optimism and who showed us that we could get out of the ash heap that, that, that Clint or Carter left us in. Yep. We needed, in 2015, when Trump came down that escalator, a bull in a china shop, a brash New Yorker, to wake us up and get the job done. And I agree. I'm happy that brash New Yorker yep. put it all on the line and threw everything um, – that he had done to the side and said, I'm going to step in and help my country. We need we need brash New Yorkers. No, I agree. Know I know. Listen, I'm a brash New Yorker myself. And much like Donald Trump, very, very flawed, really flawed. But, uh, but brash New Yorkers know what they're doing. In the last 30 seconds, and this has been great, Carrie Lake, 
will you run for Senate? You know what? I'm considering it. I'm still working on our uh, our case right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking with our attorneys later today, and we're working our appeal. I my my goal is to is to restore faith in our elections, and so I'm going to do whatever I can on that front, and I will make a decision on that. May have to do it. I may have to jump in there because they tried to they tried to bribe me out of politics so I wouldn't run again, and ask me how much would it take for me to not run for office. Wow! And if if the powers that be, uh, the political elite want me out of politics, something tells me I should stay in. Oh my God! Absolutely, go get them. The book is uh, unafraid, just getting started. It uh, does become available this Tuesday, June twenty seventh. I love this conversation. I thought you were great, and all I ask is that you come back again. Good luck with the book, your political career, all of it. Carrie Lake, thank you so much. Thank you, Sid, and, and I love you, and I love New York. Uh, we love you, too. I love you, too. Thank you. There she is. Well, she's great. Carrie Lake. Wow. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, so she knew I was when she came on. Of course, I'm on Fox News a lot these days. In fact, this week, two nights in a row, I'll be on Jesse Waters' primetime Fox News on Friday night and then... Brian Kilmeade's One Nation show on Saturday night. So that's where Carrie must know me from, I would imagine. I don't know. Fly Me to the Moon, one of my Frank Sinatra favorites. I've got all kinds of buddies who do it great. We've got Joe Piscopo on this station every Sunday night. Does an amazing Sinatra. I've been friends with Mike Martucci over the years. But my next guest does a great Sinatra, too. Great. In fact, he performs uh, every weekend, Saturday nights, at the Carnegie Club, and he will be tomorrow at the Cutting Room. And a lot of my buddies love him. So, therefore, I love him. His name is Steve Maglio. Stephen, good uh, Tuesday morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Sydney. I'm terrific. And I have a, I think I have an answer to a question that you, you said before. You said if God called Eric Adams and told him to be mayor, you can't imagine who called Rudy Giuliani. It had to be Sinatra. He's the only next, he's the only next one up the chain. You're right. You're right. I think you're right. It goes God one, Frank Sinatra two. You know, you know what's funny about that, Steve, is you have all these guys who, over the years, that's very funny, have impersonated Elvis Presley. You know, millions of those guys. And I, I can't tell you how many guys. I mentioned three, you, Matucci, Piscopo, in New York uh, that do Sinatra. I mean, thank God, because he was so amazing. Frank Sinatra will never die. When did you start actually doing these types of things uh, in clubs in New York City? Well, I was a late starter. I didn't start until I was 43 years old. It was uh, 2002. Uh, I spent eight years secretly taking lessons, and then I was hired by Joe Battaglia in the New York Big Band. And I made my debut. As a matter of fact, yesterday was 21 years. I made my debut with a 17-piece orchestra at Tavern on the Green. Wow. Now, now, did somebody yeah. say to you, yeah. but right before then, they go, like, for example, uh, bar mitzvahs, weddings. My dad would always do Louis Armstrong. He started with Hello, Dolly. Then he did What a Wonderful World. And I'd always do The Summer Wind. I can't do Sinatra like you guys. But at every family affair, I would do it. So I would imagine you were doing it somewhere, and somebody said, hey, Stevie, you're actually really good. This should be a career. Where was that? No, not really, because I was, we used to, you know, if we had a, a party or something, I would 
be at the table or pick up a, a, a serving spoon and sing it to that or something. Right. But to get up on the stage and perform in front of a microphone, I was terribly sh- microphone shy. I couldn't do it. And so when I first got up to sing for the family, they were shocked. They had no idea that I was even taking the lessons because I didn't tell anybody. Wow. So it was it, it kind of happened like overnight. Because I, I turned 35 and I said, you know, if I never start taking the lessons and actually try, someday I'm going to be 80 and I'm going to kick myself. Right. I didn't try it. Right. So I took the lessons and, and everything just kind of clicked. It went bam, 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 quick. And now, right after Tavern on the Green, a friend of mine, uh, Luke Carvel, uh, recommended me to be uh, be the singer at the Carnegie Club, and they hired me. And it's been every Saturday night for almost 19 years now. Wow, 19 years at the Carnegie Club. Years, same songs, same songs, same jokes every single week. Yeah. Every Saturday night. So it's the longest-running nightclub show in New York, and people just keep coming. We sell out every week. It's fabulous. Wow. And, and that's why I wanted to do the cutting room thing because yeah. people are saying, you know, I want to bring my mother, my father. They, they can't be around the smoke. Because we've got to do something in a, in a non-smoking venue where people could come and, and see the show. So that's what, what we're going to be doing here. Is there on one tomorrow. Is there one song, Steve, and such has so many great songs. That's kind of a silly question. But uh, yeah. what, what is the song that you – because I asked Piscopo this. What did he say, Joe? Was it Fly Me to the Moon? I forget. But is there one Sinatra song you enjoy performing the most? I can't say that. And then people say, what's your favorite? And I can't say that either because there's too many of them. But the one that was probably lucky for me was My Kind of Town. Hmm. Because that was the first song that I heard when I was eight years old that turned me on to Frank. And that was the first song that I sang at a karaoke night and I won first prize. Wow. How so about that? I would have to say that, that that's, I guess, the good luck charm. But that's about and Chicago. Every. Uh, Chicago, yeah, it's about Chicago, yeah. Right, not uh, not New York, New York. So, and you do right. jokes too. Now, the now, there was no New York, New right, York. It was right. 1966, 67. It came along later. Yeah. So, I know that you had yeah. uh, you had a, a trainer or, or somebody who gave you lessons for eight years on your voice. How did the whole shtick come along with the jokes? That was well, the Live at the Sands album was my template for for setting up the uh, the show. And then I stole a lot of it, to be frankly honest, <laughs> yeah. from uh, the old Dean Martin shows, from uh, the movie The Joker is Wild. Frank did uh, the life story of Joe E. Lewis, so I got some stuff from there. A couple of things I made up on my own. But for the most part, I followed the Live at the Sands album, and that became my, my roadmap. And, uh, and it worked. Now, this show that we're doing at the cutting room, this is going to be called Not Just Sinatra. So it's not going to it's going to be like half of the songs will be Sinatra songs and the other half are going to be things that Frank was not so closely associated with. We're going to do a Bobby Darren song, a, a, a Dean Martin song, a Billy Joel song we're going to do. So uh, so we're going to be mixing it up a little bit. And, wow. and we've got a 12 piece orchestra with a conductor, which you don't see in a nightclub anymore. You never see a conductor in a nightclub anymore. We have a comedian. Chris Monty is going to be opening the show. And when I first got the idea, I said, you know, I'd like to do this like once a month. And the cutting room was like, oh, I don't know, once a month. You know? So I said, let's see what, what the, the ticket sales are like. And as soon as we put the tickets on, they started selling like crazy. Not not just selling, but selling with enthusiasm. People are really excited to be coming. So there are some tickets left, but we're gonna, we added uh, July 27th and August 17th to, uh, to the list. And we're 
I said, well, I'll pick up where Billy Joel left off. I'll do it every month for as long as people keep coming. There you go. Your own tomorrow, little residency. the first one. Yeah, your yeah. own residency. You got going to be the first one. Tomorrow, uh, the, the, the 17th, the 27th, at the Cutting Room, which is a nice place right off of uh, Park Avenue. My friend Steve Maglio tells jokes, does Frank Sinatra, a handsome man, by the way, wears a nice uh, red pocket square. And he's going to entertain you. you in a big way tomorrow night. I know uh, all of our friends are going to be there. I'll try to stop by, too. Uh, regardless, I'll be at one of these shows. Good luck tomorrow night, Stephen. I'm very happy for you. Go kill it like you've been doing for 20 years, and the crowd is sure to have some fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid, for having me on. See you soon. God bless you. Bye-bye. Steve Maglio, folks. Check him out. The Cutting Room tomorrow night. The Carnegie Club, 19 years every Saturday. Coming up this Saturday, Steve Maglio. Now, unfortunately, this show is over. There is some breaking news I'm sure Norm and Brian Kilmeade will keep you updated, but there have been charges filed against Hunter Biden. He ain't going to prison anytime soon. These are, I believe, the misdemeanor charges. Maybe Norm can break in at some point with the specifics. But there have been charges filed against Hunter Biden. That is breaking news. I'll come back and wrap things up on the Tuesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning right after this. As I throw each one of you a kiss, this is my kind of town, Chicago is my kind of town, Chicago is my kind of people too. People who smile at you.